Welcome to another edition of Rank and Review. You have found your way to an interesting episode, you guys. Lee Beckman, the Beckman as he demands to be called, has been wanting to do a Child's Play retrospective for some time. And uh, I guess it seemed appropriate as Chucky turned 30 this year that we finally get around to it. I've never been particularly huge on the Child's Play series. And upon revisiting it, I'm not sure why I was so hard on it, why I was so resistant to it. I mean, I'm someone who will watch the Tremors franchise, so why would I hold my nose when talking about killer dolls? Well, I might have an answer for you kids. I think maybe somehow deep in my primordial mind, somehow I knew this podcast was coming. I knew the trial that I was going to go through. I knew the difficult situation I would have to fight through while recording this podcast. And my psychic anticipation of that day made me resent Chucky. I feel like I was the grumpy guy who showed up at Chucky's birthday party and, you know, knocked over the table and made a dick of myself. So here's the story. At the very beginning of the episode, something unfortunate took place. Ow. Right fucking in it. Damn. Ow. Fuck. It's one of the eyes. I am amazed I didn't break it. I am fucking amazed I didn't break it. It hurts so mad. Oh, fuck. I thought it stabbed my head. Sorry. No, I should just... Oh. <laughs> no, I know. I, I shouldn't laugh, too. That's the sad fact. If you want to get sobered up in a hurry, just jam your fucking head <laughs> That's okay, in no. that lamp. <laughs> okay. I'm going to restart the clock. Okay. Damn. So I smashed my head so hard. Like, I, I thought that I was going to have to go to an emergency room briefly. Like, I thought that I should be bleeding. I get... I get it hit me so hard. I got up quickly and just smacked my head on this overhanging light fixture over top of the dining room table. I was at Beckman's house. I wasn't used to my surroundings. And I got up in a hurry and just nailed my head. So consequently, I had a little bit of a headache. And I had this picture in my mind of these little lightning bolt egg cracks on my skull from where I smashed myself. And this became further aggravated by Lee's beloved puppy, Marley. I'm a big Marley fan. 
But for some reason, in his old age, Marley's become very needy. And if you listen to it, you can barely hear it on the, on the, on the recording, but he's at my feet, staring at me and whimpering almost the whole time that we're recording. And uh, it was sort of irritating before we started recording, but after I smacked my head, that whining, it, it sounded like it was coming from inside my brain. All of this would have been enough working against me for the podcast. But then I realized that I'd inadvertently hit a button on the recorder and we had to re-record four of the seven freaking reviews. And by the time we got through it, I was in a thoroughly unpleasant state. So, yes, it's a different episode this week for a couple of reasons. We're doing a Chucky retrospective, and you're hearing Larry fighting through a very, very grumpy state of mind. I'm better now, my head is fine, and I apologize to Mr. Beckman, and I apologize to my listeners if I sound like I have a chip on my shoulder this episode. So, sorry for the long intro, but as usual, kids, you can't expect spoilers for the seven Chucky movies we talked about. You can't expect coarse language throughout the episode. And you can expect me to be a real grumpy piece of shit. <laughs> so that might be interesting. You can send feedback and let me know if uh, I should maybe just throw in the towel after this episode or not. You can do that at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Thank you so much for supporting Rank and Review. Please check out their website at rankandreview.ca. And without further ado... Listen to me losing my patience during a Chucky review. So, Mr. Lee Beckman, mm-hmm. frequent rank and review guest, Good regular contributor. Good to know. But my name is The Beckman. Or there. Beckman. Just just no, Beckman. no, there's the article of time. Oh, you want the Beckman? Yeah. Uh for quite a while now, you've been bothering me about wanting to do this Child's Play episode. Yep. And you know what? We did it, because I keep my promises. Mm. I like to space out these little slasher, you know, discussions that we have. Yes. And uh, it, it's also interesting, because in this case, with the Child's Play fa- franchise, I think we're dealing with a work in progress. We will see more Chucky. So what I'm sort of putting on for this episode is this is sort of happy 30th birthday, Chucky. The first Child's Play movie came out in 1988. This podcast will drop in 2018. <clears throat> this little killer doll has been causing havoc for three decades. Mm. How and why is this even possible? In the age of Annabelle, is Chucky still relevant? Um, so uh, there's seven films to talk about here, and I think as horror franchise goes, it's interesting to talk about. Yeah. But I have to concede, brother... Chucky has never been my favorite. In yep. a lot of ways, Chucky hasn't even been close to my favorite. Yep. Child's Play didn't win place or show for me in our 80s. Can count down best of the 80s horror movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, didn't mind. He just doesn't come... He didn't yours, but he just doesn't come up regularly to me. Yep. My go-to guys t- tend to be the silent killers. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. To a lesser extent, Freddy Krueger. But mm-hmm. the more he talks, the less scary he is. And I think... I we're going to run into the same problem here with me and Chucky. I'm not going to be a hater. 
but it's not like the George Romero episode where I'm coming in a fanboy. Yeah. Uh, it's not the opposite of that. I've watched all these movies. These weren't new to me except for Cult of Chucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I had seen them before. I guess I'm a fan, but he's not my favorite. Where yeah. do you land on the child's play? Well, Chucky has to overcome what the other serial killers, cinematic serial killers have, is that they've got height and width and probably some strength even though you know Chucky does sort of overpower people at certain points physically but the one thing that the filmmakers have to get around and they do I think I would say more than a quarter of the time for Chucky to work he has to be in stealth because we're dealing with like a two foot sort of being here so yeah. there's there's physical limitations and we'll see it throughout the series there there's more than one like uh, during the attack scenes with Chucky where it instills humor yeah. or like chuckles and not intentional um, the suspension of disbelief is harder to achieve. Like, I I, I, I will go a long way down yeah. the path with you. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a demonic or possessed doll that kills people. Fine. It moves, it walks, it talks. Yeah. But we still see people lifting it up by its arm and carrying it around like a doll. Yeah. It has no real weight to it. It's like 25, 30 pounds, maybe. Like, at, at yeah. the best, even with all the mechanical stuff in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when it comes to seeing this in one scene, he tries to strangle a guy from the backseat of an automobile. Yeah. I just don't buy it. I just yeah. don't buy it. I can say, okay, he's supernaturally evil. But yeah. again, he, it just becomes a weight issue. Yeah. If you're 30 pounds and you're trying to strangle somebody who's 250 pounds, yeah. that person can get up and walk while you're choking him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's just... Yeah. So you have to it, fill in the gaps. You have to like more than go with the it movie. It really shows how limiting and goofy Chucky is. I find when he's on top of cars or in windows and whatnot, yeah. that's like, oh, like Jason would be bashing that window in. Same with Myers. Um, and just it, corners they get painted in in the production, right? Yeah. Because of the special effects, you're going to use smaller or, or larger sets with smaller people in some yeah. shots. You're going to use... Children or, yeah. or, or, or you know, short people to, to fill in for the shots. Yeah. And they always read as exactly what they are. Yeah. And there's just, it's just hard to avoid. I love seeing cool puppet work and animatronics and yeah. stuff like that. And it's cool to see that achieved. But, yeah. and again, maybe it's because I watch way too many movies, thousands of movies. Yeah. I see the technique in it. Yeah. There's a lot that this, these things have to get over for me to get scared by it. Mm-hmm. And my suspension of disbelief, right out the gate, even when I was a kid, even in 1988, watching mm-hmm. the first Child's Play movie, even though it did scare me because there was suspense in it, right? Mm-hmm. People walking slowly down the hallway was all it would take mm-hmm. when you were 12, right? But I still questioned a lot about Chucky. I feel, still found myself being that guy asking those picky questions of the Child's Play franchise. Yeah. And that's something that if you're going to revisit the series, mm-hmm. I invite you not to do. Okay. Just embrace Chucky. <laughs> yeah. Chucky can do whatever Chucky needs to do in that given scene. If we can allow Jason to teleport, mm-hmm. you know, if we can allow, you know, Michael Myers to get away with some of the bullshit Michael Myers to get away with. I don't know why Chucky rings so yeah. off to me, yeah. but he always had. So it was interesting to revisit it. And I did enjoy rewatching them, I guess, more than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. That said, I don't think I'm going to be the fanboy in this episode. <laughs> um, I've always been amused by the series. Um, dolls can be very terrifying things, and I will concede that there are far more terrifying killer doll movies than, I think, a lot of the movies in the series, if not all. Yeah. Um, but I have a soft spot for Child's Play. It was the first R-rated movie that I snuck into 
got kicked out of the, 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 the second one not the first one right and then even though I was old enough to go to the movie I had my parents like write me a permission slip and I showed Where the cashier and the same usher who like tracked me down just couldn't couldn't deal with the fact that I was going to the movie legally right. and then just like there was a big scene it was hilarious seriously uh, yeah I, I remember that in the old days of the Paradise Theater yeah. they'd have a triple feature but sometimes the last one would be rated R yeah and sometimes they would walk through the aisles to make sure there were no kids in the theater and sometimes they wouldn't yeah. and I'd always think to the usher how much do you love your job that you're scooting me out of this yeah. place right like a uh, so I don't get to see Split Seconds starring Rudger Hauer. And for some reason that ruined my night that I got kicked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but who really wants to see Split Seconds with Rudger Hauer? Like, a lot of people listening to the podcast don't know that that movie exists or forgot about it until I mentioned it just yeah. now. Right? But 12-year-old Larry wanted to but watch But 12-year-old Larry. Larry was all about seeing Split yeah, Seconds. <laughs> fuck you, the Asha, for doing that. Yeah, I know. I was and, that guy at some point, too. Anyway, we're kind of off Chucky. Is there anything else you want to say by way of introduction before we dive into the Child's Play franchise? No, no, I'm excited. I am coming as more of a fan than you are. Yeah. Um, I just, it'd been a while since we'd done a retrospective episode mm -hmm. of, of series, so I felt it was time, and you'd, you'd complained in the past that getting away from the horror, Larry. It's we're, true. we're getting away from the horror, so I was like, I need to represent. <laughs> well, this it's a mission. There's a maybe a little bit of an intermission in this series for humor, but I think for the most part they are trying to, to be earnestly yeah. horror movies. Yeah. And I respect that. And one other last thing before I list the movies we're gonna read, uh, we're gonna review what I find very interesting and in shockingly rare about this franchise mm -hmm. is that the uh, writer was it Don Mancini. Don Mancini and producer David Kirshner. Yeah. Those two have been involved in some way or another in every single installment of the Child's Play franchise. Mm -hmm. And uh, it gives it a consistent sort of uniformity of vision that you don't see in almost any other horror franchise. Mm -hmm. When they pass the keys to the franchise over to a new director, a new writing team, mm -hmm. you know, things get redesigned, things get rewritten, characters get forgotten, things mm -hmm. get retrofitted. Uh, I think this franchise is good at honoring its past both mm -hmm. the mistakes and the successes mm -hmm. it lives with what's happened and mm -hmm. it stays relatively consistent in its universe mm -hmm. and that achievement over seven movies is rare enough for me to say bravo child's play franchise yes two of the hat we are going to be reviewing the beckman and i are going to be reviewing child's play child's play 2 child's play 3 yeah Bride of Chucky, you. Seed of Chucky, yeah. Curse of Chucky, mm -hmm. and Cult of Chucky. Yes. It's going to be a bit of a longer episode, but we're all just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> and I love you for it. Let's do it. Yep. I'm Detective Mike Norris. Homicide. Andy! Miss Peterson's dead. She fell from the kitchen window. Someone's moved in with the Barclay family. And so has terror. <laughs> Chucky. Nobody believes you love Chucky. He came alive in my hand. I, I, I... Oh, for God's sake. Why won't you believe? Because I'm sane. This is Barkley. Sane and rational. No one believes the truth. <laughs> or lives to tell it. There's nothing nice about murder. And there's nothing innocent 
about child's play. So there's been whole movies made about the premise of some desperate mother or father, typically single mother or father, who need to get the perfect Christmas gift for their their darling child, and that, you know, have to jump over some barrels, do some pretty sinister things to happen, but... If you end up buying a doll from a creepy-looking bum in the back alley behind a department store because there's no other choice that's going to satisfy your son for Christmas, I'm not saying you deserve to be stalked and attacked by an evil killer doll, but you should maybe ring... Some some bells should ring in your head that my life might be turning into a horror movie. (laughs) This is the premise of the original Child's Play, of course. This is not a good decision. (laughs) I will say that. And I don't want to be the guy saying, that's fake. Um, But... In watching the movie again and the special features again, uh, the writer uh, who I just mentioned, Don Mancini. Don Mancini, you got the feeling from the interview that the script that he wrote for Child's Play and the movie Child's Play that we watched are two very different things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not to say that the movie Child's Play is bad. I just, from even just the little echoes I've heard of his original script, it sounds like it would be scarier. Originally, Child's Play wasn't about a doll that was possessed by an evil serial killer, Charles Lee Ray. It was about a doll that manifested all of the anger and energy and hate that were brewing inside a child. Yeah. And when the child got mad at somebody, the doll would attack them. Yes. On a premise level, I think that's stronger than what we have here. Yep, it's definitely a better idea. But, and you can see it sort of flushed out a little bit in the first and second. Yeah. But uh, that said, I think for a late 80s popcorn thrill ride feast, yep. Child's Play absolutely does the job. It's, I think, not that Child's Play is in a great movie. It's that I saw the potential in it. Mm. <laughs> and that's kind of what made it disappointing to me. Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, especially in 1988, I was ready to be scared by Chucky. Mm-hmm. And I did find scenes suspenseful when I watched it originally. Mm-hmm. I found it relatively scare-free watching it today, but okay. I did find it engaging. Okay. Okay. What do you think of Child's Play, brother? Well... Like you, it's one of those, um, this movie could have been amazing with the original concept that Mancini has, and he's and he comes across as sort of a little bitter, because he's been interviewed about it many times, but he also acknowledges that he was like 25 when he sold the script, and so and, he, and, and that was like instant success, that yeah. didn't happen for a lot of people. And uh, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. yeah. You still sell your screenplay, and yeah, they're going to fuck with it. They yeah. bought your screenplay, it's theirs now? Yeah. And if that screenplay turns into a seven-movie franchise, now possibly a TV knocking on the door? Yeah. He made his fortune at age 25, oh, so no, it's hard to hate Child's Play, yeah. but I can understand him kind of being like, yeah, Hollywood took hold of my idea. Yeah. <laughs> and know? he was still part of the creative process. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, he was brought into the editing room and, um, you know, saw, like, the two-and-a-half-hour cut and how it was being you know, whittled down and everything. So, like, he's been along for the ride for all seven of them. So he can't complain. He's even said, how can I, you know, argue with a multi-million dollar franchise yeah. that... And he's directed the last several of them, three of them, I think. Uh, so he's he's on board. It's not like yeah. he's like, how dare you, Hollywood? Uh, I, I just, like, from my personal perspective, mm-hmm. making movies, yeah. uh, one of the truest cliches about Hollywood is that you don't make one movie, you make three, right? Yeah. The movie you write, <laughs> the movie that you shoot, mm-hmm. and the movie that you cut. Yeah. Are there going to be three different movies? And I think 
the longer you're in Hollywood, the more you come to understand and make your peace with that. Yeah. But yeah, at 25, this was my vision and they fucked with it. I get yeah. it. But at the same time, there's no position to be really grumpy because I'm sure he's a millionaire because of Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like he yeah. lives comfortably. Yeah, he's not hurting. Um, so Chris Sarandon is chasing down this evil, evil serial killer. Or Lake just, Shore Strangler. He's always Lake Shore Strangler, but the more we learn about him, he seems to be a multi-purpose killer. He, yeah. he, he's involved in all sorts of sinister shit. He's into voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's a bad dude. And, uh, yeah, he gets chased into an, a, a toy store, he's mortally wounded, yeah. and he transforms his soul into the Chucky doll. Yeah. Uh, again, this is me fighting the premise a little bit, but we see this scene again and again when we go back to future episodes, they go back to showing us his origin. And Chris Sarandon is literally running towards this guy as he's bleeding yeah. out on the floor, screaming all this incantation, and a huge blue lightning bolt explodes the store, literally sends Chris Sarandon flying. And in spite of this, he spends most of the movie completely unwilling to believe <laughs> that Chucky, there's any legitimacy to Chucky. Mm -hmm. And again, I hate people that fight the premise, but you were there. You were at ground zero. You saw him touching the doll. You saw him saying that evil shit. You saw the magical lightning bolt explode the store. Yep. And still, no part of you is willing to think maybe there's some legitimacy. To all of the clues that are showing that yeah. a doll might have killed <laughs> this babysitter, right? Yeah. The, it's the horror movie logic that a lot of people can't forgive in, in, in other horror movies is very, very present in this movie. Yeah. Chris Randon's supposed to be the smartest, sort of in a lot of ways, the heroic cop To figure. be fair, he did actually see him d take his last physical breath out of his body, so <laughs> I could sort of understand. Um, it, it's the explosion, I think. Yeah. It's the explosion between the him saying that incantation and that huge explosion, yeah. and like the little doll footprints in the in the flower. Yeah, like everything, concrete evidence wise that he has seen said the doll came alive and killed this girl. But he will not accept it because you know, you know we live in the real world and doll, dolls don't come alive. Okay, I I mean I, again I'm fighting the premise and that's not a good thing to do, but it is yeah. something that. Uh, <laughs> All right and. The classic problem with centering a horror movie around a child actor. I don't think Alex Vincent is bad. Okay. I think he's just a kid. Mm -hmm. And they're good at capturing him being a kid. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's a nuanced performance. He's not like Haley Joel Osment. I, I think that, you know, they got the performance out of him. Okay. But whenever, I think it's the heart and soul of the movie. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whenever you center a horror movie around a little kid, for me, it's yeah. really hard for me to fear for them. Okay. It's hard for me to fear from them because it's the really, really rare horror movie that will actually mm -hmm. kill a child, yeah. right? You can fear for the people around him, but for me, I was never scared for Andy. Really? Uh, I was I was scared for the people around him more than I was scared for Andy. I just didn't imagine a scenario where Andy wasn't coming out of this okay. Really? Okay. Because I love that sequence where Andy's trapped in the hospital. Uh, he's been committed. And he looks across the window and sees like Chucky sort of, I think he's, he's going in the same building, but he's going up the whole stairs and that whole idea of like, he's trapped in the room eh? and this serial killer doll that, you know, exists has now, you see him climbing up the stairs far away and he's coming in the building to get you. It's a terrifying concept and idea. It's, it's, it's out of Alfred Hitchcock's rear window. Like Mancini loves homaging De Palma yeah. and Hitchcock in these Almost movies. Almost to a fault at times. <laughs> but uh, 
I think for me it's the subtler things, and I think I've said this already in the introduction. When yeah. we hear Charles Lee Ray, when we hear Brad Dorif, yeah, being the badass, wisecrack, and evil dude, yeah, some of the scare drops out of it. Yeah, for me, what's creepy is when like Danny takes the doll to school, and then the doll's whispering in his ear, and all yeah. of a sudden he leaves school, yeah, and he gets on a subway, and the yeah. doll gives him directions to go to this specific address, yeah, and he's running an errand with his best buddy Chucky, yeah. I like the juxtaposition. I, I mean, it was sort of a... At the time, I think they were doing some combination of Teddy Ruxpin and the Cabbage Patch doll. Clearly is, Cabbage Patch doll, Is yeah. what, what Chuck used to be, but the way he talks and sings or whatever. Yeah. And the cartoons that comes along with it. And he's your best buddy. Yeah. And I love how bright and colorful and lively and gentle those advertisements and the, and the good guy doll is. Yeah. And uh, juxtaposed to the... the t- terrible terrible evil that is inside this chucky doll yeah that works really well for me yeah but you'll hear me say it again when we talk about some of these other movies the second chucky opens his mouth a lot of the fear drips out of the scene to me Mm. yeah yep i agree that chucky works when he works in stealth mode when he's in the shadows and then sort of like laying down playing playing possum and the whispering in the ear. When he's mind-fucking with people, that's great. And that's why I love the first kill. Mm-hmm. Not the, the Strangler himself, but the babysitter, where we don't see Chucky, and she's pushed out the window. Like, we'll hit on She the gets head. smacked in the head with a hammer, and, and then, she just turns fight or flight, and somehow ends up diving out of the third floor window, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, It's well executed. It's well yeah. executed. And that's the scene of suspense that I remember when I was a kid that I was scared by. Yeah. And it was in, we didn't see Chucky. The battery sequence is also pretty terrifying just in concept when the mother soon realizes that, yes, this thing is possessed and it falls on the floor and rolls underneath the bed or couch. It's effective because that's what you would do. You're telling yourself again and again, that's weird. I'm pretty sure that's not where I left the doll. Or Andy's sort of talking about this weird shit about this doll. And you wouldn't convince yourself of it. But maybe on a lark, just because, just yeah. to, to, to get the thought out of your head, you would open the battery compartment. Yeah. And yes, it would be deeply troubling to yeah. see that the batteries had at no point been put into the doll. Yeah, and then, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know, man. Like, when you think of 80 horror film masters, like, the, you think of names like John Carpenter and Wes Craven and Brian De Palma. And even, like, to a lesser extent, Toby Hooper, who was still very much loved at this point. I, I just quite, I can't quite understand why Tom Holland doesn't get the same love because in a span of like four or five years he delivered two in my eyes two eighty horror classics in Fright Night mm-hmm. and also Child's Play. He also wrote Against All Odds, one of the better horror sequels uh, of a slasher series. Uh, like no no one counted that that scream being as good as it was. I mean it's still a sequel. Uh, it's Psycho 2. Anywho, like, Tom Holland wrote the screenplay for Psycho 2, and it was a way bigger hit than they anticipated, and rightly so. I think it's a well-written movie, and well, also well It's one of those things that shouldn't have worked, but somehow did. Did, yeah, and I think in, in, in itself is an accomplishment. But for, like, a good seven years, he was one of the big names in horror cinema, and then almost disappeared he still works today. I mean, he did a Stephen King movie not too not too too long ago. He's, he did an anthology movie, but he just doesn't get the same kind of love. So yeah, he did shout out thinner. to Tom Holland. He did thinner, and I heard he was attached to do the was it the five o'clock people about yeah. uh, these creatures that are yeah. infecting the world. But for some reason, if you're one of the last few people in the world who's still smoking cigarettes, yeah. it won't affect you. Yeah, he's well respected in the horror 
cinematic writing directing mm-hmm. circle. Like there's a actually a podcast, another radio show in the states, and they interviewed him. He talked about it, and it's he sounds like a really really good dude who who love and respects horse. So shout out to Tom Holland. Um, I, I mean, his career went on after this, but there was a degree of controversy thrown towards Child's Play yeah, 1 that was certain parents were very upset. The idea was that Child's Play was going to incite violence in children. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 1988, we weren't to this like need-to-be-offended environment that we're in today, where yes. everybody's just waiting to be offended or, or, or disgusted or, or, yeah. or, you know. The idea that this movie was even for children is a ridiculous conceit. The idea that they would forget it by saying, yeah, well, they're not going to, the children are definitely going to watch it anyway, would just be them conceding that they're not really paying attention to what their kids are watching. Mm -hmm. It's this whole diversionary thing where, you know, society's ills can be blamed on a video game or a horror movie. Instead of actually dealing with the problem, we can protest child's play and pretend we're actually making a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that it was specifically child's play. Because I think that this movie, warts and all, is trying to be a suspenseful horror movie. It really doesn't deal in the blood and gore in the way that you'll see in the Friday the 13th movie. Or Mm -hmm. like, it's a suspense movie. Yeah. It's a suspense movie. And it's clearly for adults. Yeah. So the controversy is just another one of these bullshit invented things. Yeah, I often wondered if the studio itself had actually sort of paid for some of the controversy to rile up. Because that did affect their opening weekend. I was just reading this when we had our little break here. Um, During the initial release, a crowd of protesters formed around the entrance at MGM to call a ban on the film. They claimed that it was going to incite violence in children. Local news reporters were broadcasting live from the scene, and the producer, David Kirshner, was upset. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Hilton, who worked for Kirshner at MGM, said he would defuse the situation within 10 minutes. He went down to the crowd, spoke to the ringleader, and the whole thing disbanded within a few minutes. And to this day, no one knows whether it was threats or diplomacy, but it went away with one conversation. And again, how serious of a of a conflict could it be if it just disappears with one conversation? Mm-hmm. Were there protests for the next six Chucky movies? Well, there was there was the third one, but that's for a different different story. Right, gun control safety shit. No, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get there. Yeah. Anyway, the, I guess what we're fifteen minutes into the review almost, and like it's more the stuff around Child's Play that I find interesting than than the movie itself in a okay. lot of ways. I don't think it sucks. I think it's like I a, it's well made. a completely decent thriller. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not foaming at the mouth though. Okay. Um, I like the design of Chucky and I like the design of the good guy doll. And yeah. in the early, this movie, they basically stick to the good guy doll. Mm-hmm. Later into the series, the more he gets more clearly evil in his definition and his features. Mm-hmm. But I like that it's just that smooth, plastic, freckly, red-haired, good guy doll. Yeah, uh, that's creepier to me than the Annabelle doll, which is so effectively evil. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, like I, the voodoo angle doesn't do a whole lot for me, and like even some of the, the ads that Tom Holland had for the screenplay, they're all right. I I love it when it's just Andy and and Chucky and the and the the manipulation that goes on. Like one of the things that makes Chucky scary is he's a master manipulator, mm-hmm. and especially we, with the kids. Yeah, yeah. with the kids. Uh, but also, you know, we see it later in the series. That's one of his his effective tools. Like he can like s- be stealth in a room, sitting there, and then the second people move, like you know, he can, like, he's convincing innocence in a lot of ways to do horrible or help with horrible, horrible things. Indeed. 
So that's that's to me that that works really really well. Um, I don't even think it's a slasher film, although multiple people die. Um, they knew what made Chucky scary, and my heart still races, especially that that one scene when he's trying to get in the hospital. That's such a well made sequence of terror yeah. that I was like, "Damn, I'm, I'm engaged with this movie." So, how do you feel with the voodoo angle? I could take it or leave it, to be perfectly honest. And I know that's not not Mancini's. Mancini really hates it. Uh, yeah. I don't hate it. I just think that it's dropped in the rest of the movies because Mancini hated it. Uh, there's well, one scene where he, he uses the voodoo doll to, like, he breaks the leg on the yeah. voodoo doll, yeah. and the guy's leg is destroyed, and he starts stabbing it, and the guy yeah. starts bleeding. And, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. In the interview, Mancini's laughing about that. Why doesn't he just make voodoo dolls of everyone? Yeah. Well, no, I think like Mancini was blinded by his, his anger there. Because in mm-hmm. that scene, they actually say he was in the apartment and he found that voodoo doll. That was... Mm-hmm. It wasn't something Chucky made. It was that guy's personal avatar. Right? Yeah. So it's set up a little bit. Yeah. Um, in a way, it would be interesting because it would give justification to some of the superpowers that we see Chucky have. Yeah, no, I mean, so I would Mancini actually, does go back to that well, yeah, eventually. I would have leaned into it, yeah. whereas I think Mancini kind of leaned away from it. Well, I, I, it's one of those what could be, because I love the idea that Andy was the serial killer in, mm-hmm. the, in the original screenplay. So there is a little bit of that, but you know, we have to judge the movie that was made. It also would have been hard to do a sequel all that much. Um, because the cat's out of the bag by the end of the first one that Andy's the the serial killer. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it could be done, but it was much easier to sequelize with the killer doll. And again, that's not Mancini. That's that's Hollywood. And as much as that might have destroyed his original screenplay, it made his career. Yeah. Um, I love, like I said, I love the sort of Hitchcock homages in this movie. Um, That that makes me smile. Um, I found Chucky to be a a very real threat. I thought the performances... Andy is the heart and soul of the movie. Uh, it's a mistake they learn later on replacing him uh, and I thought the mother was good I thought Chris Saradin was good um, I, it's neat to see like dirty 80s Chicago as well with all that st- steam starting to come up that's a, almost a 90s aesthetic it's, you know there's steam everywhere coming right. out of the vents yeah. yeah so I don't know I dig this movie it's a strong it's, it's a, to me it's a strong strong horror film right. I see leftovers of the original story. The yeah. fact that they spend time with the fact she's a single mom and she's so desperate to keep Andy happy yeah. doesn't necessarily build to a payoff that it would have in the original screenplay. Yep. The fact that uh, Andy's dad is absent and it's not really talked about yeah. probably would have been flushed out more. And like, You can sort of see the stuff that was kept yeah. and the stuff that was added. Yeah. So uh, I think considering it was a movie that was thoroughly fucked with, the fact that it's as strong as it is, mm-hmm. is impressive. Okay. Okay. I do like the puppet work as well. I mean, that's another thing that, but before we leave, mm-hmm. um, I thought the puppet, puppetronic works, I think Chuck Yeager did it, mm-hmm. uh, are, are pretty strong and definitely in the area of CGI. Um, thankfully, they haven't CGI'd Chucky. That, that's still one of the bread and butters. So... It, it's neat to see they that don't as CGI well. Chucky, but they've CGI'd other shit. But yes, they're they already they they seem to understand yeah. with this doll. The doll is their star, yeah. So they can spend money on that. You know, yeah. they they Chucky should and always should look and sound good. Yeah, and uh, Chucky is pretty consistent throughout the series. Yeah. Um, side note: This is the film. Uh, what's the main act, uh, female actor's name again? Is it mm. Catherine somebody? Child's Play One. Yes, I will tell you. 
because it's in my brain. Yes. Catherine Hicks. Catherine Hicks actually married uh, Chuck Yeager. This is the movie that they met on. Sorry, I didn't. Aww. Yeah, side note. <laughs> See, out of all of this blood and chaos, two yep. people fall in love. Yep. We're about 20 minutes in. Are we good on Child's Play? We're good on Child's Play. <laughs> I sure missed you. I got a new game, sport. And guess what? You're it. It's Chucky, look out! No more Mr. Good Guy. Two years later, mm-hmm. here comes Child's Play 2 from the director of Man's Best Friend. John Lafia. <laughs> Child's Play 2. Yep. Sorry, Jack. Took his back. Here's, here's the thing. When you're watching a slasher movie, mm. what do you want? Blood and guts, sure. Blood and guts. Fairly consistent pace and a climactic, suspenseful sort of mm-hmm. big finish. Child's Play 2 does all of that. Okay. Child's Play 2 does all of that. Uh, it is a rehash and a bigger, dumber version of Child's Play. Okay. But it knows what it is. Mm. It doesn't have the problem that Child's Play did in that it's a half psychological deep movie and half kind of dumb Hollywood creation. Okay. This is 100% a dumb Hollywood creation. Mm-hmm. And its uniformity is its strength. <laughs> like... Uh, Again, it's not amazing. It's it's a slasher sequel. Yeah. And there's a lot of ridiculous stuff to it. Why would they rebuild that doll? <laughs> the whole opening sequence is this obliterated Chucky doll being painstakingly because rebuilt. The, because the company had to prove a point. They had to prove that Chucky wasn't really evil, so they rebuild him, and lo and behold, he is evil. <laughs> yeah. But what, what, what kind of turned the worm for me is the big climactic sequence in the toy factory, which seems to make so much sense. It's really like the obvious choice. But you got walls of Chucky dolls, you got conveyor belts, you got eye plugs being jammed into people's faces, and it's ludicrous, and it's stupid, and it's fun, and I enjoyed it more than Child's Play 1. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because it knows what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I, I do say that. that They knew that it was going to be a fun ride with a little bit of, like, little bit of violence. Bigger, and... dumber, louder. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paramount had Jason. Fox, the dime had Michael Myers. A new line was the house that Freddy built. Although that series, at that point, had come to a close. So Universal wanted to get in the slasher genre because it made lots of money and you can make them on the cheap. Yeah. So they... I don't know why United Artists sold the rights I think they got scared of the movie they thought it was like a piece of crap so they, they sort of sold it almost on the weekend that it released <laughs> and the universe went thank you very much and yeah. have since been reaping the benefits at least financially yeah um, and I agree with you that even as a slasher sequel it's one of the better ones um, it still sort of remembers 
that Chucky works better once again playing in the dark, manipulating. But we do see a lot more uh, of Chucky moving, and there's you know more elements from Mancini, Mancini's original script. Mm-hmm. Um, all the people that threaten Andy die by Chucky's by die by Chucky's hands. Like yeah. he's still sort of a manifestation for Andy's rage. So it's neat to see that as well. But this is also the the start of sort of the, the wise cracking serial killer. I mean, it's little evident in Child's Play, although it was more just I'm gonna kill you, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. This is the wise cracking Chucky, and some of that's funny. I mean, it's not great one liners, but it benefits in that it's the first time it's the full throttle wacky Chucky. Yeah, and they know who the star is, and they build up to the moments. But yeah, a lawyer has this doll in the back of his car. We know that Chucky's alive. He doesn't. Yeah. Your classic Hitchcockian angle. Yeah. And we think that he's going to strike at one point. They don't. They go to the reverse angle. So Chucky's going to be there. Yeah. But he's not. Yeah. Chucky does attack. We do get that. But we see the payoff. And the way he laughs and kicks and howls, as he, like he really seems to enjoy suffocating this guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. I get yeah. it. But the aggressive nature of it works more with the sort of ludicrous premise, right? This movie is about a killer doll. so You're reading just... for Chucky in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I have, uh, that's a double-edged sword too, but yeah. I mean, I like the momentum. I like that we just keep fucking moving yeah. <laughs> with this movie. Yeah. Uh, he gets free. He's got to find Andy. Same thing. If he can get his soul back inside of Andy, he can be a human being again. Yeah. And uh, so he's going to take steps. Here's a really upsetting, tragic waste that happens in this movie, as much as I say positive things. Okay. Jenny Augeter. Yo. Jenny Augeter. Yeah. Who I love. Yo. Who the Beckman loves. Yeah. She's in An American Werewolf in London. Yeah. She's an absolutely gorgeous British actress. She's very talented. She plays a uh, woman who's going to be looking after Andy while his mom's getting some mental health... (laughs) A, a little quiet time in a mental facility. Yes. And her character is completely useless. <laughs> like, I love that actress. I think she's beautiful. I think she's talented. She go. has nothing to do here. <laughs> but try and protect Annie, and but then eventually gets. Well, she, uh, she and her, she, her husband's inexplicably kind of plain and rude. You feel yeah. like, how did he win the jackpot to be with her? Yeah. Uh, and you know that it's not going to last long for him, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But she's all on board with Andy until her husband dies, and then she's all against Andy. She's yeah. pretty unequivocal. Either she's completely good or she's completely, well, not bad, but yeah. she's completely like, turned. No, no. Like, I don't know. I kind of went, aw, when she died. So and I we didn't get to see her death. It was off screen. They just, we, we walk in on her body. They set up this thing where she had this precious family artifact that was given from mother to daughter, mother to daughter. And it's heavily implied that the reason that she deals with these kids is because she can't have kids of her own. Mm-hmm. But it's all stuff just nudged at. Because as much as I was complimenting the movie being in a rugged hurry to be a fun slasher movie, they kind of skate over that. I wanted to care more about Jenny Augeter. Yeah. I cared that she died because I saw her in a shower once. <laughs> more than her character <laughs> was really you know, important to me or to the story. Mm-hmm. I think they had an opportunity to make that kill hurt. Okay. You, like no, we don't like the the father. So when he dies, big deal. The yeah, evil Phil. lawyer in the car. Yeah. Who gives a shit, right? Yeah. Even the teacher. Even the teacher is awful. She's a great character actress. I like that actor, but she's not a good person in the context of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't care about any of these deaths. I think the missed opportunity about Jenny Augusta's character is that we were given every reason to like her, 
and she sort of sides with Andy, so yeah. like that it would have impact. Remember when we were talking about Halloween, that scene where uh, the little girl gets put in the, the laundry chute? Yeah. And how that's where that character should have died? Mm-hmm. She should have put that girl in the chute, stood her ground against Michael and died, and we would have been, shit, that sucks. Yeah. That same thing could have happened here. Mm-hmm. Chucky could have come to life, and she could have fought for that little boy. And instead of her just being duped, and then killed off screen missed opportunity and maybe it's just because I like that actress so much but mm-hmm. please do something with Jenny Algatari you know if you're yeah. going to put her in your movie give her something to do yeah, no no I, okay that's fair that's fair I, I don't know I kind of went on what she did and the second that she said that to Andy I'm like you're, you're gone you're gone yeah yeah, because you're, you're now a threat to Andy and his happiness yeah. so I don't know I mean I agree it, almost everything that you say in a lot of ways um, I, I do put it sort of a peg down from Child's Play mm-hmm. Um, but it also sort of knows what it is and, you know, good times. That's it. That's exactly right. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's strangely unambitious, which makes it hard to get like super enthusiastic about, mm-hmm. but it's good at being what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love that, that the climactic scene in, in the toy factory, I thought yeah. that was, that was an amazing choice. Yeah. And that's from the original screenplay of Child's Play as well. It's, you know, you kind of like, let's use this now. Cause they had a bigger budget. Yeah. And the, again, like the conveyor belt sequence, the mm-hmm. doll eye punctures, mm-hmm. like the <laughs> relative innocence that died to the left and right, the molted melting plastic, like there's yeah, the oh, eyeball. Yeah, there's yeah. lots of opportunities in there, and they yeah. use them. They use them. Is it kind of ludicrous that it that it you know culminates in this big factory fight? Maybe, but that's how the Terminator ended, yeah. and nobody has problems with that, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just like. It's less reliant on suspense, and Chucky, you're right, definitely is becoming more of his cackling, wisecracking mm-hmm. self. It's the beginning of the end in some ways. It hasn't over-tipped to yeah. full-on stupidity yet. It yeah. still is what it is. Yeah. Chucky has a percentage of menace. I still won't say I was necessarily scared of him, but he... Not once did I... I was thrilled but or entertained, but not like, oh no. Like We all know who's going to die and who's going to live. Yeah. Like uh, e- even like the sort of s- adoptive step sister, Kyle. Role, Kyle, you knew that she was going to live. Yeah, um, and in some ways, it would have been I think ballsy for her to kill that character. And I still stand by my statement. I have a hard time fearing for kids, which is why yeah. uh, again, Kyle and Andy were never really scared for, and yeah. why when they get to the big factory, all these other employees show up to be killed off. Yeah, because they're not going to kill Andy. Yeah, and they're not going to kill Kyle. I do love that scene where she's on the swing with the cigarette and her feet are dragging, slowly dragging away that doll. That, that's straight out of Psycho as well. Yeah. Um, and I thought that's a pretty creepy idea that, you know, that's how she discovers it and then goes goes upstairs and finds Jenny Agutter. Um, Uncharacteristically, even by a horror movie, dark ending, though. <laughs> they pour the molten plastic over top of Chucky and he yeah. dies a terrible screaming death. And then yeah. he pops up again and they kill him again in true, you know, yeah, yeah. killer doll fashion. No harm, no foul. But it's all over. They're walking away. Kyle says, come on, Andy. Let's go home. And Andy says, where is home? Mm -hmm. Kyle says, I don't know. And they walk out. (laughs) (laughs) Credits. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was traumatizing. (laughs) My mom's been committed. 
and uh, the people who were taking care of me have been killed. No one's going to believe that I it was know. a killer doll. Yeah. Uh, one of us is going to get blamed on this. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we'll be separated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not a happy ending at all. No. And it's weird how they kind of try to make that a punchy laugh line. Yeah. Like, let's go home. Where's home? Yeah. I don't know. Again, I smiled it, 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 incredulously. And this movie, maybe this movie made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. It's. I think we're ninety now. It's not eighties, but it's still that eighties aesthetic where yeah. the sequel is bigger, darker, and dumber. Yeah. And I think maybe not darker, but it's definitely bigger and dumber. Yeah. I will say this: as a slasher sequel, it is one of the better made ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it knows. Yeah, like I said, it knows what it is, and and it delivers on all those fronts. So. I agree with you there that Child's Play 2, as a slasher sequel, is is solid and worth watching. Yeah. And that's one thing I will say uniformly about this series. Yeah. We don't see the bumps in quality in the way we have in other movies. I'm not talking about, like, some are better than others, obviously, but I mean aesthetically. There was a couple of the Friday the 13th movies that almost looked like they were made for TV compared to some that came before and after. There's a uniformity in the Child's Play that I appreciate. It's weird because once again, Chuck Yeager. I do believe that's the guy who made all the Chucky stuff, because right. he, he's let loose in a lot of ways, especially with that third act and in, in the Toy Story. You're like, I wonder why. Uh, I mean, he's, he's he's still married to uh, Catherine Hicks, um, but she was not asked back, and I sort of always wondered why. They could have done a lot with her character. Well, I mean, well, if you're gonna do it, they probably didn't sign contract for sequels. Yeah, and. Uh, it, your agent's just going to ask for three times the money because they know that you'll pay it if they think they need you for the sequel, right? Okay. I think the essential ingredient is Andy. Okay. Yes, no, he's the heart and soul. We need Andy. Uh, We could, like, it would be great to have the mother, but the the movie doesn't work necessarily without Andy. If you don't have Andy... Here's the guy's name, sorry. If you don't have Andy, you have to create a new one. Yes, no, and that's that's something that I'll mention that... um, the next one we'll talk about, I think, makes a mistake. Mm-hmm. You do actually connect with Andy, and there's that sort of emotional resonance going on there. Um, he is the heart and soul of the franchise. Um, I mean, yes, people go go to see Chucky do his thing, and you know, all and wisecracks and the violence, but the sort of emotional core is Andy. He's because he is the victim and. Yeah. Uh, has a pretty awful life. <laughs> He's got a good soul of his own, and we don't want it to be overtaken by this evil fucking serial killer. Yep. Um, again, I think you know already if you're the audience for Child's Play 2. Yeah. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the audience for Child's Play yeah. 2. It's, Check it out. I don't want to oversell it, yeah. but it's good for what it is. It's it's interesting. We're two films in, and you have not mentioned one word about Brad Dourif. Oh, I'll, I'll get to it. All right. <laughs> Rigid dress codes. Presto, you're a ball. Get those weapons in here. I want to see them high. And grueling drills. It couldn't possibly get any worse. Wrong again, wimp. Chucky's back. A few years have passed. No, you're dead. We killed you. I'm new and improved. At Kent, we take bedwetters and turn them into men. Andy, how you've grown. <laughs> and this time... <laughs> I really gotta get out of this body! He's looking for a new recruit. I got some fresh meat lined up and I'm not gonna let you spoil it. <laughs> now, just think. Chucky's gonna be broke. 
Child's Play 3. Look who's stalking. A haircut ain't regulation, soldier. Regulate this! We're recording. So, I, I have a theory. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, before we get to the review of the Pulitzer Prize, the Pulitzer Prize winning classic Child's Play 3... For those, for the listeners at home, at one point even before this review started, Larry hit his head on my house, more specifically a lampshade, and I think we are still feeling the proverbial effects to it. <laughs> and to say that I hit my head is maybe underserving it. Like, I, I conked my head really hard. I think there is actually a little bit of flesh still dangling on the lampshade. I, I actually kept checking to see if I was bleeding. I thought I was like... Anyway, so after that, we went on to review Child's Play 3, <laughs> Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, and got pretty deep into Curse of Chucky yep. before I realized that my recorder was not properly functioning. <laughs> so now we're going to go back and re-record these several reviews that we just finished fucking reviewing, and it's going to be weird. <laughs> See, I think we're laughing about it now, so at least that's a good thing. I'm just putting it out there, because if it sounds like we're <laughs> just, like, defeated, or, like, repeating ourselves, <laughs> even though we're not repeating ourselves, it's because we're going to schizophrenically try to recreate the same conversation that we just had. Uh, it's sort of a weird thing. It's almost like an ulterior universe. <laughs> So I, I knew I was going to be talking a lot of Chucky today, but God damn. <laughs> you say it like you hate it. <laughs> well, speaking of hate, Child's Play 3. Yes. 1991. <laughs> Good segue. Uh, as I remember, Marley, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I know, I know. Look, this is turning into a, a almost like an episode of like No Exit by Sean Paul Sartre. As I was trying to say... <laughs> About Child's Play 2 is they were making the best of a sort of not bad situation, but they did the best they could with a slasher sequel. Yeah. With part three in the mad fucking dash that they were making to make it, like, shit got left in the breeze. You know, yeah. they, they glossed over shit. They were sloppy about it. Part of it, as you pointed out, was it nine months? Yeah, nine months. There was a nine-month gap between part two and part three, and largely... They, they the greenlit same, it over the weekend, yes. Yeah. Largely the same people are involved, but if mm-hmm. you're making a movie at that dead a run, mm-hmm. it, you know, stuff's going to get missed. Yeah. It's the first child's play in the franchise where Andy's played by a different actor. Here, he's played he's not, by... Yeah, not played by Alex Vincent, played by... Justin Whalen, W-H-A-L-I-N. That sounds like a bad boy name. Uh, we've jumped ahead. Andy is Boy, now in a me. military school. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the energy and enthusiasm, and though it was dumb, the fun vibe of part two is almost completely absent in part three. Yes. They've changed the environment to this military, this very structured, disciplined military academy, mm-hmm. and on its face, that could have been interesting, I yeah, think. Yeah, there's little seeds of where this film could have had a pulse, but yes. it's not the same characters that we're used to interacting with it's not the same Andy we're used to interacting with which is a mistake in this gated area but there's lots of weapons lots of dark old buildings Mm -hmm. there are opportunities where it could have not sucked Mm -hmm. they just went the other way (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) 
Um, and again, I'm repeating myself because we had this conversation. That's I, okay. I think that they have Andy in this movie, but he's not really playing the Andy role anymore. Yeah. They switched it over to this uh, Tyler character. Mm-hmm. This little kid who was at the military school is desperately... Ch- Chucky loudly boasts, Chucky's gonna be a bro. He's gonna be a bro, uh... yeah. He's a little black kid. Well, uh, but Chucky's okay with being a bro. Yes. So I guess that would suggest he's not particularly a racist evil doll. <laughs> at least there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a serial killer, and he kills people. But he's at least not racist. He's not racist. Yeah. You, can't call, you can't accuse him of that. Although the bro line kind of is like... But... Andy's the mother role, right? Like, yeah. he's trying to tell everybody this kid's in danger, yeah. the doll is no, alive, and I'm, no one's believing I'm with him. you, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and, yeah. So, uh, if we were talking about before, like, the essential ingredient that they had to keep was Andy because, you know, he was, quote, the the heart of the of the story that we've, that we've been told so far. Yeah. Uh, we could, we can, we've shown that we can do without the mother if need be. Yeah. But Andy's not really Andy here. Mm-hmm. And, He's a hormonal, hormonal teenager. And that being the case, why why bother making it Andy? Why is this just a separate Chucky Enterprise mm-hmm. altogether? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where I start with Child's Play 3, uh, where it has a lot of the same... It can be accused of being guilty of the same things Child's Play 2 is in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's just there's no joy or no finesse to it. There's no love to it. Um, Child's Play 3 commits the cardinal sin... Where it's not a great movie, but it's also not a like a terribly made movie, at least on a technical front. It's just painfully mediocre. Yeah, it is just the company more of the same because that's what worked the last two times, and it just and even it's even kind of sort of feels like poorly edited together. Like this was sort of the back end of two because I do honestly think. That the you know some of the stuff they didn't use in two was sort of the opening scene, <laughs> yeah. of of Child's Play three where we get that 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 pretty cool line what are children but not you know consumers in training yeah and like I say that seems so a part of Child's Play yeah. two that I actually conflated it when we were talking about Child's Play two mm-hmm. that whole opening sequence and opening kill it seems completely separate from the rest yeah. of the movie yeah um, and I mean a lot of horror movies will have these little prologue scenes to them that's not on you know it's not breaking any rules mm-hmm. but yeah it, in a way it gives you promise of a better child's play movie because that mm-hmm. first kill was kind of well done there was suspense to it mm-hmm. you know the doll moved slightly but not enough for him to believe that the doll moved and the remote control falls under the couch and he's down on his hand and knees and mm-hmm. track is going to attack oh maybe he isn't mm-hmm. and uh yeah all of that stuff that has you with the movie Disappears the second mm-hmm. we cut to the academy. Now we have a bunch of unlikable characters screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. It does have that sort of pretty opening, opening, cool title sequence, though. I will give it that. I mean, it's straight once again homage to Vertigo, right. <laughs> the alpha. But I did that was one thing I sort of remembered last time. I was like, okay, interesting opening title tracks, cool, cool. But I agree with you. Military starts and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you can see things. Where it could have been interesting if they plugged into it a little further. They focused on the wrong second story, I think. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole sequence where Chucky is switching out the fake ammunition for their war games mm-hmm. with that live ammunition. 
and we could have this really suspenseful thing who has the live rounds who has the fake rounds who's going to get shot who isn't mm -hmm. and that could have really been exploited they could have really milked that for some suspense mm -hmm. one character who we don't like gets shot mm -hmm. yep Yep. And, and that's then, it. That's... Well, no, the, and then the, the one character that we're supposed to like yeah. jumps on a grenade. Jumps on a grenade. But once again, I everybody. feel nothing. Uh, yeah, and that's always a bad sign. When the yeah. movie's setting up for a big moment, the Andy's roommate, who's been nerdy and resistant to Chucky, but mm -hmm. finally becomes convinced well, see, after seeing Chucky, which seems to them. be what yeah. it would take <laughs> to, yeah. to convince you, uh, you know, does all the right things and dies. And it's supposed to be, oh, that sucks. And we're like, that's one body closer to the finish line, you know? I know, I know. <laughs> and even the sort of, like, cheap, cute one-liners that we're supposed to like with Chucky. He, like, he's just vile in this movie. That was the other thing. I just, I remember seeing this now for the fourth time. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of going, like, the, like they're just, never will I complain about a, about a movie having too much profanity. But it just sort of, like, seems totally useless and excessive and blah. Yeah. Like, not funny at all. And there's a scene that happens in this movie that like was like an inevitable thing that I felt like was going to happen at some point. Mm -hmm. Remember Halloween 2, the scene where the guy walks into the room and yeah. there's so much blood on the floor that he slips and yes. he mashes his head? Yeah. Part of us felt that someday that scene would happen and there it finally came to bloom in, mm -hmm. in Halloween 2. And this one, this uh, high-ranked military general, I don't remember exactly what his rank was, but he was He's running the, general the school. Of the school. He's, He's running the show at that school. Uh, finally sees Chucky come to life. And before Chucky can do anything to him, he's so shocked by seeing Chucky move and speak that he clutches his chest and keels over dead of a heart attack. They were supposed to get Arlie Ermy uh, or Emery. I, I, I'm so glad that he didn't do it. <laughs> I know, I know, but that's what... He said no to Child's Play 3. <laughs> it's funny because he said yes to some pretty questionable things in the past, but... Well, he's got to, you know... Everyone's got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> But again, that could have been an interesting, funny, or subversive scene. But there's something about the execution about it where I just didn't care. It just, it again, it felt like that inevitable scene that was going to eventually happen, and now here it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's just scene after scene that just doesn't quite connect. And even when the death happened, like you, you feel nothing. It's not even like a McDonald's cheeseburger. It's just like flash before your eyes and, and that's about it and like it's not good filmmaking even like the end scene like um, after Chucky is destroyed and our heroes are walking out of this uh, amusement park we get this two second shot of this janitor who's cleaning up the you know, started to clean up the mess and you're waiting for him to say something and then it, the end credit music starts and the end credits start to go up and you're going what was the point of that? Was there a deleted scene there yeah. that was going to justify that? Yeah, it was just like that, and now we end. Yeah. The ending was really, well, I didn't like much about the movie at all. Yeah. The ending was particularly random to me in that we spent all of this time at the military base, all this time with the strict military thing, and mm -hmm. where does the climax take place? Takes place at an amusement park. It's some yeah. adjacent fairgrounds, and they get chased into this haunted house, mm -hmm. you know, which has all these supposed pop stickers built into it so they can be fighting in this uh, this horror fight in this artificially intrinsically horror environment yeah and there's a huge bladed fan in the floor just for people to fall into <laughs> because for, that exists for reasons yes you know yeah why why spend all that time with the military like you'd think that they would do that for a reason like 
it was just a change of venue. That's yep. all. I mean, uh, they had some money in the budget. It's, let's it's go do it. The Hollywood thing. It's like okay, Die Hard worked. So now let's do Die Hard on a boat, and then let's do Die Hard in a cabin, and they Die Hard on a mountaintop, and like that's the mentality here. Let's do Chucky at a military school, except for they don't even do that. <laughs> and the potential for that for like Chucky against a military state, like I would be down with that. Yeah, that that's like. That's what they should have focused on. Not even the sort of, you know, Andy has to stop the whole cycle of Chucky all over again with the whole spirit, soul changing thing. Play the conformity angle. I mean, they hinted at it in earlier movies, the whole consumer Chucky angle. You know, mm-hmm. these dolls are marketed to children and they're the children are as much of a product as the dolls to the people making the dolls, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, why not take that a step further to the military thing where there's this conscious breaking down and building up this loss of identity and creation of a new one, mm-hmm. which isn't that what Chucky's trying to do with that kid. He wants to make that kid into him. Mm-hmm. They could have done something with that. They just opted to go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this character, Andrew Robinson, Sergeant Botnick, is this really eccentric barber at the school who's like mm-hmm. perversely <laughs> excited. He about, loves his job. <laughs> he loves shaving kids' heads and there's some weirdly sexual component to it. There's there's an ugliness to him and you kind of wondered what what, what he was being set up for. They're gonna what are they gonna do with this car? He sniffs a kid at one point. Yeah. Well he gets his throat cut pretty yeah. bluntly, pretty quickly, and Chucky makes a joke about haircuts. You know, that actor was from Dirty Harry and uh um, Hellraiser. Hellraiser and like I, I just felt his presence meant something yeah. and it really didn't it really it really didn't yeah. and that's the whole thing uh they set up a bit of a romance with uh andy with the this uh character that he connects with in the in the military i forget the, the character's name character's yeah yeah, name. yeah and they've got no chemistry they don't have any chemistry and it doesn't really lead anywhere you yeah. know it's somebody for him to walk out of the wreckage with yeah. but like i we can't i can't remember her name neither can you right just, yeah. just doesn't matter it just doesn't matter yeah. She's uh, a, a, not even a point of interest. <laughs> She's a not well executed plot point. Yeah, like most <laughs> in Child's Play Three. So no, as much as I was playing D for Child's Play Two, where I saw its flaws, I felt like that it had a bit of a heart to it. Whoever was making it was kind of into it. This is just uh, sorry. I, I no, that's that. okay. It's a sheer example of by committee filmmaking. Yeah, uh, put out by a company and not. Someone who you know loves scaring people, or even providing a thrill ride. Take a breath, wait one more year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like I said, there was things that could have worked with this movie, but it's just it was it, rushed. It's all, I think it was rushed. Yeah. Again, the same producer and the same writer is 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 working on this. So, like again, we we have the same people. I just feel like. They did this movie, it felt like they did this movie over a weekend, you know, like, it was like, how can we make a Chucky movie as quickly and efficiently as possible? And that was the focus, was quick and efficient, not quality. Yeah. On a sad footnote, and, uh, you know, I just sort of like mentioning these sort of things, like this film also garnered controversy of a different level than the first one had, but this movie was a sort of prime example of what Tipper Gore and her little cronies were, you know, blaming horror movies and heavy metal music or, you know, music that was bad for children was corrupting them. There was a case in England, and I won't go, you know, I won't even say the name of the victim out of respect. It's not that hard to find, but there was this famous case in England where two, um, I'd say, not quite teenagers, but 
you know, young children took an even smaller child and they had seen a Tortured murder. to death, basically. Yeah, they'd seen, they emulated partly from one of the murders in Child's Play 3. And whether you believe it or not, uh, I mean, there's controversy with that actually. You know, they admitted to it, but the boys at the time said that they had watched a rented copy of Child's Play 3, you know, by their father and wanted to, you know, see death. Yeah. But Well, at the risk of quoting myself, <laughs> I think... It's yeah. stupid to blame movies or music on it. If you're so damaged or fragile or mentally yeah. ill that Child's Play 3 is going to trigger you to violence, if it wasn't Child's Play 3, it was going to be a soap opera or a cartoon no, and I or know. a pop song or something else. I know. I know. You're not defending that position. I'm just making my positioning clear. Like, obviously, I love horror movies. I have a podcast dedicated to them. If I thought they were bad for your mental health. Uh, I, I wouldn't spend so much of my time watching it. I resent the simplicity and ignorance of that argument. And the people that would line up to protest Child's Play 3 would never watch it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. they don't even know what they're protesting. And I'm a big believer. If you're going to go on national television and, you know, call down a show, I remember famously, this was The Sopranos, there was a woman talking on CNN about defaming the Italian culture with a show called Sopranos mm -hmm. and Larry King or whatever asked her what would what about the show offends you and she said well quite frankly I wouldn't watch it how how do you go on national television to tell everyone not to watch this yeah. evil show yeah. when you yourself hasn't watched it? it's yeah. it's it's hypocritical and it's ignorant and stupid and I'd like to think that these arguments would go away but they just keep resurfacing again and again mm -hmm. this time it was child's play next time it will be Yep. Saw, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that conversation is much more interesting than anything else I have to say about Child's Play 3. You know, that's, that, that, that's about it. After the arguable loud disappointment of Child's Play 3, mm -hmm. I'm sure it made its money back. I don't think anybody was hurt that way from it, but mm -hmm. it just was loudly not as good as the other Child's Play movie. Mm -hmm. We take a bit of a break here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so now it's 1998. Mm -hmm. Scream has happened. The whole satirical meta-horror meta movie thing is in full swing. I think Scream is like six months earlier, yeah. Uh, and it goes like... The, the zeitgeist has shifted a little bit as far as horror movies. Horror movies are a little bit less vicious than we're used to seeing, mm -hmm. a little bit more self-aware, mm -hmm. and a little more winky. It's wink, wink. Meta. Yes. Yeah. So 
this movie embraces that completely. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that it was a smart move to change things up. Mm-hmm. They had to. They needed to. So yes, they needed to change things up, and they did. Um, they they made a pretty safe choice here, going all satirical and meta and winky. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's not particularly edgy, as some people might have tried to describe it at the time. But I think it was a really good call to hire Ronnie Yu <laughs> to direct. His this sensibilities movie. are used quite well here. He, you know, on in his homelands would make movies like the the bride with the white hair and uh you know really spectacular large-scale action crazy movies this side of the ocean he's hired to do stock horror movies he did freddy versus jason and he did bride of chucky and he didn't seem to have any problem doing freddy versus jason and bride of chucky he embraced it completely and that's what you need Mm-hmm. You're hiring someone to direct a Chucky movie. Hire someone who's excited to do a Chucky movie, right? Like, sign me up. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's his energy and enthusiasm and, and sort of uh, weirdness that makes the ups and down rockiness of of this movie, mm-hmm. I think, sustainable to me. Okay, I'm a Ronnie Yu fan. No, no, I, I appreciate Ronnie Yu. Everything's on the table as far as he's concerned. He has no problem with puppet sex. He has no problem yep. with like uh, ridiculous, over the top violence. He doesn't. He's not ashamed of it. He embraces it. In fact, I think he sees it as giving the fans what they want and deserve. And yeah. I respect that. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. It's uh, the 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 change of tone was maybe necessary, but consequently, I think the big beef I have is that there's nothing frightening about this movie. No, at all. It's a comedy through and through. Um, I didn't like the hillbilly aesthetic. You know, the the opening, trailer park business. Yeah, yeah, and even the sort of the opening um, title track. You know, it's Rob Zombie leaving Dead Girl, and I was like, oh no. Right. I mean, I, I I I got the homages. I dug them. Even like uh, spoilers. I mean, I'm I'm sure we we are gonna get to it. But John Ritter's in this movie. Yeah, and his inevitable death scene is of course an homage to Hellraiser, and sort of the joke made me rolled my eyes. Yeah, there's something about making a punchline about a joke. I think we've talked about this yeah. before. It's just like it's okay to be funny, but someone shouldn't make a joke of their own death necessarily. Yeah. You know, um, or or. The fact that someone just died in front of us shouldn't itself be the funny thing. Like, there's a scene where we think that John Ritter's been dead, and he pops out and screams for a second, and then drops dead again. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, ah, ha, ha. Yeah. didn't see that coming. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess a no. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, we also have two dolls to deal with. They were playing with the dolls <laughs> for this movie. Uh, Jennifer Tilly plays Tiffany first as this uh, woman who was once upon a time a. a a companion of Charles Lee Ray, yeah. who is still obsessed with him to this day, and who has procured the Chucky doll and r- brings him back to life. Mm-hmm. Chucky quickly kills her, yeah. and then she gets put into another doll, and once she's a doll, all of a sudden, he doesn't find it irritating anymore. All of a sudden, they were meant for each other. And I think, like I've said it before, it was like, well... Now there's two homicidal dolls. Well, we're together then. Like, yeah. <laughs> either we're nemesis or we're fucking each other. You <laughs> have to embrace the rules of this universe <laughs> to even appreciate what you're seeing. I get it. <clears throat> I get it. I mean, like I said, it's got puppet sex. It's got <laughs> puppet wedding. It's moving on to the human characters, though. Yes. 
Catherine Heigl. Not a big fan of Catherine Heigl. I think she's a big fan of Catherine. Somebody must be because she's always working. I get that she's attractive in a fairly industry standard Hollywood blonde woman way. Yeah. And I think that she's an actress who can say the lines and not bump into the furniture. But yeah. personally, she just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, there's no bridge that she seems, uh, you know, unwilling to enthusiastically burn down. She was in one of the most popular TV shows in the world. Talk shit about the people who were on that show. Yeah. She was in one of the most popular comedy movies of the decade and she talks shit about everybody she worked with you know like mm-hmm. nothing's good enough for Katherine Heigl and I suspect it's because nothing has lived up to the experience of Bride and Chucky <laughs> bold bold words but okay is that what the, the, that's what if, if you know she talks shit about yeah. Knocked Up and Grey's Anatomy then yeah. she should be doing derivative direct-to-video horror sequels for the rest of her career because yeah. that's what she, you know yeah. she would hate that and that's what she would deserve yeah that said, she's fine in the movie. She's fine. <laughs> it's yeah. mainly, she does her role. It's mainly interesting because like, uh, she wasn't famous then, and she's super famous now. Yeah. Uh, and there's Katherine Heigl in a Chucky movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first movie that, if you weren't rooting for Chucky then, you're supposed to be rooting for Chucky now, because Chucky and Tiffany essentially take care of people that we find either annoying or also a threat to our romantic couples in love in their sort of odyssey. Well, and this is something we see in a lot of slasher yeah. movies to sort of not necessarily take the teeth out of them because you can still be violent with it, but making the victims less sympathetic. They maybe don't deserve their fate, but we don't love these people, so we don't feel their misery the same way we might, right? Was this the movie where Chucky pulls out a tongue? Or is, or is that the next one? I think that was the next that seed. Isn't it? Because like, he pulls the uh, the jewelry off of the dude's face. In no, this. no, it's not. I know where that's from. It's the. It's oh, the, that's in cursed. Yes, cursed. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Moving ahead. Anyway, that's what happens when you watch a lot of Chucky movies all at the same time. They it's do a blur little together. bit of blurring together. Yeah. Um, but I think this stage of chi- of the Child's Play franchise, this and the movie that follows it, like. I don't even think that they're honestly really trying to be horror movies. There's death and violence in them, but they're satirical wink-wink movies. They're, it's they're, a violent cartoon, Yeah, is, is what it is. A violent... I, I, hesitate, I hesitate to say adult cartoon, but at least a, a cartoon not for kids. And this sort of brings me to the Brad Dorf, because I know I haven't talked about Brad Dorf a, a lot. Yes. Um, I'm a big fan of him as an actor. Yeah. I genuinely think he's got the goods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, one of his first movies, he's mm-hmm. just he's actually, amazing in. He's actually good in Exorcist 3. Yeah. And uh, Mississippi Burning. Weird Exorcist 3 callback thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie makes a reference to The Exorcist with Chucky spinning his, dollar, his head around. Mm-hmm. And in The Exorcist 3, the character that Brad Dourif plays makes a reference to Child's <laughs> Fun fact, everybody. Nerd. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, like, I like Brad Dourif, but generally speaking, Chucky is a little simplistic to me. Okay. Like, yeah, he's not a deep character. He's, he, he's never really fulfilled him out beyond the fact he's a cackling lunatic. Mm-hmm. Kill your dog. <laughs> he's trying to sabotage this podcast. <laughs> I swear to God. Um Yes, I I I, I, lo- I really like him as an actor, and the reason I I don't I haven't been mentioning him as much is because it kind of hurts me. In in lesser movies, in movies like Graveyard Shift and Priest, I feel like 
he puts more, Brad Dorf puts more into the performance than he does to Chucky. Yeah. Kind of feels like with Chucky, he shows up, yells into a microphone these terrible lines that he's been given, and, and then, you know, where's my paycheck? And it's a little easy. You know what I mean? I'm sorry that I threatened your dog's life. <laughs> You're going to feel bad listening to that on the way back. <laughs> Did I just tell a dog every animal that I know and love? I really feel... Again, <laughs> you another, told me to kill, uh, kill my your dog. dog. Kill your dog. <clears throat> it's just like... I feel like we're, this whole podcast is there's the forces that doesn't want us to celebrate Chucky's 30th birthday. Like, I feel mildly concussed. We're re-recording the reviews that failed review. There's a dog whimpering and bitching underneath my feet. I usually love Marley, but today he's this huge asshole and I don't know what I've done. I apologize to you. I apologize to my listeners. This episode's a little weird. I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just exasperated. <laughs> this is the podcast that <sighs> never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. Which brings me to Alexis Arquette. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alexis Arquette plays this guy who's obsessed with Tiffany at the beginning of the movie. He's got all these tattoos and like chains and shit hanging out of his nose and his mouth and his lips and everything yeah. like that. A weird, weird character, weird person. <laughs> like Arquette's just an interesting dude. But um, I love of Rosanna Patricia of the Arquettes. Yes. And uh, subsequent to this movie, he was in he was in Pulp Fiction for that one scene. Yeah. And uh, then he had a sex chain, and he, he was Alexis uh, Arquette. Yes. And then he recently passed away. I believe. Yes. <laughs> so, AIDS, actually, if uh, I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Could but be wrong. You would never know any of that. Like this, the, he he was a versatile actor because this character is obviously very much a character that he's putting on. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about it is this is such a good Chucky kill. <laughs> uh, he gets strapped to a bed by Tiffany and he can't move and she puts the Chucky doll on top of him and then starts talking about Chucky and Chucky finally reveals himself to be alive. Look at tears Tiff. the chains off of his face and there's yeah. over the top blood spray <laughs> considering it's pretty superficial wounds that he's putting on his face. Mm-hmm. He puts a pillow over the dude's head and then just sits on the pillow and talks to Tiffany. Yeah. And while they're having this conversation, the dude slowly suffocates. And it was just like, it was, so, it was kind of funny and super dark, but it was the kind of kill that, yes, a doll could do that. Mm-hmm. There's no, I don't have to like fight it in any way. The, the scene is completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And yet we buy it. And that's kind of a magic trick. And I like... Well done, <laughs> like to get me there, okay. to get me to be accepting of it. I don't want to oversell the movie either because yeah. it is fucking weird, and it, yes. it's this strange road trip where uh, Catherine Heigl and her boyfriend are being confused for killers because in the back of the van they're carrying these two evil dolls with them, and wherever they go, they're leaving carnage in their wake. Yeah. So you know, it's they're being confused for Mickey and Mallory, but it's actually it's it's Tiffany and Chucky. Damn it. <laughs> um. The. Gay best friend character, which yes. we've seen a lot before. He had the death of the movie in mind. Yeah, he really bit. does. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Dan Mancini is a gay man, and I kind of feel like if there was a character he could identify with in this story, it would be him. He knows these guys well enough to not believe that they're serial killers, and he somehow manages to track them down before the police do. And once he's there, the amount of evidence is almost insurmountable for him. So he freaks out and tries to run away. And he runs right into the path of a semi-truck. 
and it explodes. It's <laughs> a hugely he, over the top. Like, he doesn't just kill. get like hit by the semi truck. He turns into a balloon. His grandparents felt the impact of that. <laughs> like it was <laughs> like ooh. <laughs> Man down. Yeah. Man, Man down. down. <laughs> but it was a pretty good shocking moment. And it was kind of like, it, it was interesting that the way that character was used in the movie. Yeah. And for whatever it's worth, he was a little bit more than just the gay friend. So many times in the movie you have that character. He felt his death. I'll say yeah. that much. You did. It yeah. mattered a little bit. Yeah. And in a movie as stupid as this, that, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. I don't know. What, yeah. So... Ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. But considering we're coming off the back of Child's Play 3, mm-hmm. I find this a much safer territory to be. And as goofy and fucked up as it is, it knows that it's goofy and fucked up. Yeah. So I kind of embraced it. It doesn't apologize for what it is. Yeah. I kind of embraced it. I, I mean, it's it's good enough. Yeah. I think it was probably better when it was brand new. Mm-hmm. In 1998, it probably felt more edgy and hip and of its time. Mm-hmm. Today, it's one of the funny Chucky movies. And I personally prefer Chucky to be scary. But as goofy Chucky goes, I will take this one over Seed. Fair enough? Fair enough. <laughs> the last time... He took a bride, but this time, in order to become the parents of a human baby, they'll need just the right woman. Jennifer Tilly. Production is underway on the new horror flick, Chucky Goes Psycho. You know, I should have played Aaron Brockovich. I could have done it without the Wonder Bra. In Planned Parenthood, timing is everything, so you'll have to hurry. That shouldn't be a problem for you. This fall, Chucky's back, and he's delivering us some evil. Come to Papa. (laughs) What the hell is going on in here? She uh, came on to me. No wonder her career's in trouble. Seed of Chucky. That's my boy. So I want to formally ask, are you okay, Larry? I'm doing great. I, I, I'm doing awesome. Do, do, do you need a little <laughs> quiet minute just to like collect your your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. I was a little demoralized between the concussion and the lost reviews, but here we are. I'm sorry that I threatened your, the, the life of your your dog. I, 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 I love Marley, too. He just needs to <laughs> just stop whining at me. He's been whining at me for a day. Okay. For a day. All He's right. just been looking at me going... <laughs> and it's it's just I, you can't do it anymore. Just let me record my podcast. I just want to record a podcast about a killer doll. Can I record a podcast about a killer doll, please? <laughs> please, Marley. So see the Chucky. <laughs> see the Chucky. <laughs> What we didn't mention uh, during our review of Bride of Chucky is that, (laughs) say what you will about the movie, it's got a pretty spectacular ending. Yes, it does. The birth scene. (laughs) Tiffany is well exploded and burned and charred and kind of dead on the ground. (laughs) And uh, she starts flailing and kicking and gives birth to this creature that hisses and credits. So we move on to Seed of Chucky. And uh, yes... 
that seed has borne fruit, and uh, the doll has been Glenn or Glenda, as we're going to later discover, yeah. has been kidnapped by an evil British magician dude, ventriloquist, ventriloquist. Like performer. I said, it's, it's an he, homage to to magic. I also got like a Pinocchio vibe, you know, okay. like the, the yeah. living doll, the living boy that sure. everyone thinks it's a trick, but it's not a trick. Da, 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 da. Got it. But he sees footage on TV of Chucky and Tiffany because they're making a movie based on the very true events <laughs> of uh, Child's Play yeah. killings. Yeah. And uh, he decides he's got to head off to, the, to America mm-hmm. and find his birth parents. And he finds them on a film set and he uses his magical medallion to bring them back together and mm-hmm. boom. Mm-hmm family unit this may seem familiar almost like i said it to you just an hour or so ago <laughs> yes but my favorite scene of this whole movie and it might be the good scene of the movie okay <laughs> there's the little family argument having happening between the three dolls yeah. and chucky finally embraces that it's okay to be chucky yes <laughs> he's like I'm Chucky the Killer Doll, and I did. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, because I think with this movie, Don Mancini has made peace with the fact that his... you know, um, he, I don't think he ever really enjoyed Chucky being that wise-cracking serial killer. I, I always got the sense just from interviews He that, wanted him to be scary. Yes. Uh, and here he was finally embracing the fact that this thing had made him multiple, multiple million dollars. And that he was embracing Chucky for, for what it is. And he made his own, I think, his most personal movie out of the series. Right. Um, but he's made, first... peace, he's made peace with the fact that Chucky is what he is. And this is the first one he both wrote and directed. Yes. Um, and so it's maybe personal to him. Yeah. And maybe it's more important film to him than it is to yeah. Chucky fans for that reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, again, way more funny than scary. This is mm-hmm. a basically scare-free movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're still in the Chucky redesign. He'd been redesigned for Bride, and they kept that design for this one. Yeah. So he's pre-damaged and pre-sinister. His brow is really furrowed, and he's, he's got, got multiple this, scars. He's just got his his affectation is overtly evil, but he's being funny, which is kind of interesting because originally his physical affectation was very innocent, and yeah. he acted really awful. So that that could have been interesting if they wanted it, <laughs> but. Uh, Ever. I don't know. I think that I like that scene where, where he embraces that he's going to that he's okay with being Chucky the killer doll. This is yeah. like it seems like strangely character growth. For all these movies up until now he's been trying to get out of Chucky, but now he realizes that being Chucky's okay. He can still have sex, he can still have kids. Yeah. <clears throat> no one suspects a doll, you know, like yeah. he's living life and loving it. And I think that maybe would have been the thing to, to sort of embrace the movie of. Instead, we got this war of influence thing happening where yeah. there's Tiffany who wants to put the violence behind them yeah. and, you know, raise this child right. Yeah. And there's Chucky who's like, don't tread on me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm who I am. Yeah. I'm a rebel and I'm never going to be any good. Accept it or go fuck yourself. Yeah. And Glenn is being ripped apart in the middle, so much so that he almost affects two different identities. Yes. Glenn... And Glenda. Yeah, no, there are two stories in this movie. One of them sort of works, and the other one doesn't work at all. I had no use for the Glenn or Glenda storyline character. Like, none of it did anything for me. Sorry, Don. (laughs) What sort of worked for me, and you talked about embracing the insanity of Bride. I embraced the insanity of Seed. I mean, this movie starts, it's, once again, a sort of impressive opening title sequence where a 
blanket of semen and then sperm goes down a fallopian tubes into Open an Open on sperm. Yeah. yeah not like, since look who's talking. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like... And even the sort of uh, body double blow up homage, uh, he references De Palma a lot in this movie, actually. Mm-hmm. And I and this is also an homage movie, so I appreciate it there. Like, I think that people who love film and you know sort of horror film will. I know it's over the top, but the, I, I, at least I kind of went ah oh, that, that that sort of. I nice. get it, and then it's there's a lot of insider baseball here. That the movie does take place partially on a film set. Jennifer yeah. Tilly is playing herself in and this she movie. She is a very good sport. Yeah, uh, but like. It makes sense, those choices. Like, Mm -hmm. if they're going to do it, do it. Yeah. But, yeah, it it strips away even further, and it gets farther away from scary when you're being meta, even more so than... than, than, Yeah, this film is not a horror movie. Like, you can still have comedy and then make us boo in the next scene, but if you're actively talking to us through the screen, Mm -hmm. that illusion is just not... We don't have it anymore. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the marriage of the practical special effects of the dolls and the CG effects of the kills. Okay. This is mostly uh, uh, with Tony Gardner's character. He's mm-hmm. playing himself, the puppet designer, and uh, who articulates the puppy doll, uh, the puppy doll, the Chucky dolls. <laughs> uh oh. <clears throat> um, and yeah, there's a scene where he gets. Be head decapitated with a wire by the two dolls, mm-hmm. and his head flies straight up in the air, and he's got a shock expression on his face, and it's so obviously CGI mm-hmm. that because they don't go CGI with the dolls, it really screams out, "This is bad CGI." Mm-hmm. And I know of all the things to make fun of in the stupid family dynamic puppet killing movie that that seems like uh, a preciously small thing to be uh, picking on, but. Mm-hmm. God damn it! Like I, and, the the dolls for all their ridiculousness look pretty good, and I I believe them enough to go with the storyline, but they fuck up some of the kills. And in a slasher movie, you don't want to ditch the kills, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I I do know that they lost you know some money as they were doing production, so that maybe they had to resort to CGI to sort of mm. complete it, but. I, I hear what you're saying. There's that kill and even John Waters' death that, where it's clearly CGI and you wanted prosthetic and you've got these beautiful, beautifully made um, moving, talking, fucking dolls. Yeah. <laughs> really. Literally fucking dolls. Yeah. Um, so I, I get what you, what you get there. Um, to me, I think what, what sums up Seed of Chucky uh, is this wonderfully sort of, I thought, comedic scene where John Waters, who's playing a scuzzo uh, paparazzi and this is the era of like Kim Kardashian is huge Paris Hilton is still famous for being famous you know Britney Spears has had a meltdown and we've seen every second of it so yeah. we've had we've the, had the, the, the culture of paparazzi and he's Britney Spears shaving her head was a yeah. global news story yeah. for some fucking reason. it kept the masses entertained um, and he is taking photos of red men receiving pleasure shall we say <laughs> from Jennifer for Jennifer Tilly as Tiffany's sort of wandering around the room and then Waters looks up and there's Chucky going to town <laughs> real hard he's jerking off in the window there's a silhouette and his salty joy juice is put in the cup <laughs> so if you ever wanted to see Chucky masturbate yeah this is your movie <laughs> that's kind of where Seed of Chucky is at and that sort of to me sort of embodies the movie it is sort of low barrel, and it'll never be confused for Robert Altman's The Player and sort of taking a bite out of out of Hollywood. 
Yeah, but, all of these homages and all these, like, recognizing previous thrillers are great. And, like, it's happened throughout the franchise to limited degrees. But mm-hmm. I feel like because this is the first movie Mancini directed, and again, I don't know this, I'm making it up, but, mm-hmm. like, he was just borrowing from the people he knew did it well. Hitchcock mm-hmm. does it well, De Palma does it well, so let me do it too. I don't think he's found his own voice as a filmmaker quite yet, but it's his first movie, so let's give him a, you know... A See, to me, this was just sort of... It was the one film he could only make once. Yeah. Um, it was sort of like, okay, Don, you've been a part of now, like, I think this is like number five in yeah. the series. You get to make one for you, and you'll never, ever get to make like, you th- get the this kind of film ever. carte blanche. Yeah. This is your Chucky movie. Yeah. We're not giving you notes. Make your Chucky movie. Yeah. As long as Chucky's in the movie, <laughs> we're good to go. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Again, it's hard yeah. to say because we're kind of just inventing this. I'm going to be mean to Jennifer Tilly. Okay, and that's not a hard thing. Well, she's sort of playing a washed-up Hollywood actress. And in the first movie, at least she was playing Tiffany. It wasn't Jennifer Tilly. In this movie, she is supposedly playing herself. Mm-hmm. And my two problems with her being she was never such a big star mm-hmm. as to be, you know, in the star strata, the superstar strata. She was never going to be compared with Julia Roberts. She was never going to be close to that. So the fact that she's always bitching that, that she's losing roles to Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. we don't believe. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's trying to fuck Red Man so that she can play Mary like the Virgin Mary in a mm-hmm. biblical epic. Mm-hmm. I can see how when you're writing that down on paper, you can see all oh, this is funny and satirical, but asking her to do that part and her doing it with such enthusiasm, it, it seems kind of gross to me. Okay. It, it rubs me the wrong way. I and do. I, I will admit to, she's a very, very good sport for making this movie. To put it on even further, it's just, she has two movies, as far as I'm concerned, that are really significant in the zeitgeist. Okay. There's Bound, you. the Wachowski's thriller that they made before The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And there's the Woody Allen, Bullets Over Broadway, mm-hmm. where she was Oscar-nominated because she was really good at playing an actress who wasn't a very good actress but had a shrill, irritating voice. Okay. That's mean, but that's that's... That was the part that she was casting. She was cast in Bullets Over Broadway as Meg, or as, not Meg, as Jennifer Tilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard for me to see her taking pot shots at, at, at Hollywood, you know? Mm-hmm. I know it's a part that was written for her, but mm-hmm. it's not credible. And it's increasingly, I'm embarrassed for her because of it. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying she sucks I as think an if actress. She, if the, I think that you this was the wrong actress to choose uh, for, you know, if you're going to take these kind of shots at Hollywood. Okay. Well, I think if you're going to play, and it's not the first film or the last film that'll take shots at Hollywood, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to make fun of Hollywood, you have to make fun of yourself. I do think what Mancini was seeing in his world of the sort of, we got to love famous people just for being famous yeah. This was a big slap in the face, and who better to do something like that than Jennifer Tilly? But I agree with you. What what she's asked to do, it seems very, like I said, she's a very good sport. Yeah. I don't know exactly the right actress. Like, it's got to be somebody who's been consistently good but never recognized. Yeah. And Jennifer Tilly's always kind of been Jennifer Tilly to me. She's not. Yeah, I, I never understood her career. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, and it's just, it's strange. It's also just the double-edged sword about when you're going to take an att- if you're attacking Hollywood, right? Yeah. If you're attacking Hollywood as an outsider, well, then you're an outsider and you don't know what you're talking about. And if you're mm-hmm. attacking Hollywood as an insider, you're a hypocrite, mm-hmm. right? This is his, 
fifth Chucky movie. If Don Mancini is not part of the Hollywood system, nobody is. Mm -hmm. So he really is biting the hand that feeds here. <laughs> and I guess we can respect it, but yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's strange. And it, I will always be of the case, you know, if you're making a killer doll movie, go scary. And this movie is even farther away from scary yeah. than Bride was. You know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Seed of Chucky is, to me, one of those guilty guilty pleasures. I know it's not a good movie, but I'm sort of happy this this film got made and exists. Yeah. That it's uh, it's trying to be a Hollywood satire, and it's a freaking killer doll movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's too much at once is maybe the problem. Uh, Fair enough. Okay, I, I can see that. But um, I don't want to say it's better than Bride, because I think Bride is more contemplatively, or it, it's better technically made. But uh, it made me smile. Yeah. Well, and that's good. I mean, I wish I liked it more than I did. I mean, yeah. they, they definitely took big swings. Um, Billy Boyd plays the voice of Glenn or Glenda. Yeah. And at the time, I think it was a big deal to have somebody from the Lord of the Rings <laughs> franchise in your movie. Yeah. It's one of these things now where, like, I don't think people would even recognize the yeah, voice. Yeah, Billy Boyd. Yeah. Like, oh, he was one of the Hobbits? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, he's not particularly bad. Um, I think where the movie, like I said, comes closest to working, and just because it's so surreal, mm -hmm. is the family, the family feuding, for me. I just think it's so absurd that it's just kind of like, you're not going to see that in any other movie. <laughs> these are puppets that love and kill and fight. Yes. And... Wow. Yeah. Not for everyone. Nope. Only just barely for me. Who's it from? It doesn't say. We found him. Chucky's my friend till the end. Hey, wanna play? Can't we sleep in with you tonight? It's only a storm. Good night, baby. Sweet dreams. Don't forget Chucky. Okay, so we're going to talk about Canadian Made, shot in Winnipeg, Curse of Chucky. Mm -hmm. And uh, as my opening salvo, I will say welcome to the best of the seven Child's Play movies. Doesn't shock me, actually. <laughs> um, Marley's got to stop whimpering. It's like he waited until we pressed record. Did you see that? Yep. I mean, I know I've been a bitch this whole episode about it, but like we stopped and we ate and he made not a fucking sound. <laughs> And yes. the second I press record, he's being a little bitch again. Tell me how you really feel, Larry. I'm just frustrating. Anyway, I really like Curse of Chucky. <laughs> I genuinely was surprised when yeah. I watched it. Like, uh, I didn't run to it. I waited till it was in the, the cheap bin at Walmart. And I, yep. okay, let's time for a new Chucky. And once again, Mancini very correctly intuited that they needed to change things up. Yeah. After Seed of Chucky, like yep. it, it was like, okay, we're not we're not gonna play in that arena anymore. I think that in two movies we've officially played it out. 
It took three to get rid of the Chucky slasher movie formula. It took two to the Chucky comedy formula. Mm -hmm. So now they're going to go, it's the early aughts, to this sort of hard, the dark remakes, the torture porn, the like sinister, heavy, dark, scary movies. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in a long time, arguably ever, Chucky is genuinely frightening Mm -hmm. in this movie to me. He's a real threat, yeah. And one of the biggest reasons, and again, I'm sorry, Brad Dorff, I do respect you, is that he says almost nothing for like the first hour of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's stalking, he's crawling about, he's manipulating a little girl, he's putting poison in soup. Mm-hmm. He's, I love that scene. He's doing all of these terrible, terrible things. Mm-hmm. No winking, no cackling. No frills, really. Mm-hmm. Well, Don Mancini, who's been since you know the beginning of this franchise, knows what makes Chucky terrifying and a real valid threat. Um, he works when he's in stealth, when he's in the shadows. Yeah. And he's a lot more mind manipulative. Sorry. Ding. He's a lot more mind manipulative. Uh, in this and also the next movie. Um, you know, he has a master plan, if you will, that's sort of... Uh, unfolds as the movie goes along uh, and yes the less we see Chucky the more terrifying he he becomes and when we do see him um, it's there's a, a real palpable fear like yeah. he's you're, you're afraid of him yeah. there's but, a the redesign has happened again they've rebuilt Chucky but mm-hmm. in this case instead of going sinister or instead of going you know the sheer plastic mm-hmm. they went both mm-hmm. which is the right call mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm you believe it as a kid's toy, mm-hmm. and you believe it as a scary thing when they need it to. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the better uh, sort of shocking moments for me, because I, I didn't understand what was happening when I was first watching the scene, there's a scene where one of the sisters is up looking at the Chucky doll, and mm-hmm. she's starting to ask questions, and she brings her finger up to the, the doll and mm-hmm. starts like peeling this outer layer mm-hmm. off of the doll, and we start seeing the underneath the perfect doll face that mm-hmm. he's not mm-hmm. there is something really evil underneath it mm-hmm. and uh it was that was a cool scene mm-hmm. there was also that great scene where she's reaching out towards the doll and it suddenly just <laughs> went yeah. to bite her hand yeah. and that made me jump yeah i jumped and like i, I so infrequently do i yeah. jump in a child's play movie yeah that dinner scene where you know that he has poisoned one of the like was it soup, soup some kind of tomato soup or something but yeah, yeah we see Chucky's little doll how that scene unfolds like that is great filmmaking yeah you know I, I was saying this earlier to you if this wasn't even part of the Chucky franchise and it was like a separate horror film I would be excited to see what this next filmmaker what is what his or her next project would be um, and the level of improvement in his directing mm-hmm. I think from seed of yeah. Chucky to this one it almost seems like a different director like yeah. obviously they're very different in their tone and in their approach and that's a mm-hmm. big part of it but the attention paid to atmosphere is really strong yeah and um yeah love that Rebecca not even tip of the hat like stealing from once again Albert Hitchcock with the whole elevator and if you're gonna steal steal from the best yes <laughs> yeah yeah uh Fiona Dorif Yes. Is the lead of this movie. Yes. And I do think that the reason she's starring in this movie is that her daddy is Brad Dorif and played Chucky. Possibly. I'm sure that there are people that would yell at me that that's not the case. Maybe even Brad and Fiona themselves. But I don't think it's coincidental. 
But here's why I let it go. Usually I roll my eyes at nepotism. Mm -hmm. Shame on you, Francis Ford Coppola, for casting your daughter Mm -hmm. in Godfather 3. Shame on you, Dario Argenta, for sexually exploiting your daughter in your own movies. Mm -hmm. In this case, she's not being exploited, and she's a decent actress. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it probably got her the job that her dad played Chucky. But at least she brings the goods. And it, and, it pays off more with the next movie than it does this movie. But yeah. she's—I think she's very strong in this movie. I think she's good too. I think like, um, but if she was like bad, mm-hmm. or if she was like even just yeah adequate, yeah, then uh, then people would be screaming, you know, nepotism, nepotism, nepotism. Yeah. This was nepotism, but it happened to work out in this case. Mm-hmm. She is talented, so is her dad, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, yeah. I, I'm really not trying to talk shit about her. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying she probably wouldn't have got the part if not for the fact that her dad was Chucky. But it's kind of good that she got the part okay. because of the way they're going to use her character, like you say in subsequent movies as well. Yeah. But because she also seems to, you know, have a good handle on how to, you know, convince us of her emotions in a given scene. Yeah. And this is an anguished character. She's in a oh. wheelchair. Her mother has been killed. Her sister shows up and is instantly trying to basically kick her out of her house. Mm-hmm. And um, she's just repeatedly getting beat down by life and feeling helpless and like half person because she's been in this wheelchair and we later find that the reason she's in the wheelchair is charlie way she was stabbed in the womb yeah by charles leeway like, one of the twists of this movie is exceptionally dark but also well earned yeah well and that's just the thing this movie is dark yeah. in the way that seed of chucky was silly yeah this movie is dark yeah. um and it's it, it almost it's not even really in the same universe they're gonna try and squeeze this all into the same universe by the end titles of this movie mm-hmm. but this movie is so much better and so much scarier and so much it's just better made and better executed in every way than seed of chucky that like i i almost don't reconcile them it feels like a reboot but it's a sequel Mm -hmm. and if it was a reboot it was a really good reboot and if it's a sequel like I've already said I think it's the best of the seven movies so far yeah no I'm actually not disagreeing with you it is exceptionally well made thriller filmmaking yeah even like like we know it's coming, but uh, there are cameras placed throughout the house. I think on one of the dolls. No, and Chucky himself. He puts yeah. a nanny cam in Chucky. Yeah, and there's one shot that, we, like I said, we know it's coming, but it, it's on a one character, and we see Chucky walking in the background, and it's generally kind of creepy. They have you looking in the corners mm-hmm. for Chucky everywhere. It's it's a maybe over designed house as far as it feels more like a place to shoot a horror movie than anyone would actually live in. Yeah, it's very gothic in, in that. But I, again, I let that go, and that's very much the aesthetic of those early aught remakes. Look at the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Friday the Thirteenth, and how affected the design is. Yeah, those don't feel like real places. They feel like horror movie sets almost. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and the, this movie maybe has a little bit of that. But I'm into the story and the characters enough yeah. that I'm, I'm not bothered by it. Yeah. And uh, the, the kills are stealthy and mean and uh, believable for a doll to execute. Yeah. The, there's a scene where this woman is on her laptop in her underwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and even though there's a kid sleeping in the adjacent bed for whatever reason... Mm-hmm. And uh, we've established when they first showed that room that in the center of it, there's a bucket with this water dripping. And whether we recognize it or not, we're being prepared <laughs> for this murder scene. Yeah. So she's typing away, being all sexy on the computer, and then her head just slowly turns. 
and she sees there's Chucky standing and he's alive and all he does is kick over that bucket of water mm-hmm. and she's instantly electrocuted yeah. and it's oops and it's loud music oh my god see something's working against our podcast today uh but there's something about that kill like uh it's not too too over the top her face gets a little fucked up from being electrocuted but mm-hmm. it in another child's play movie, he would have said, "Shocking, eh, babe?" Yeah. <laughs> or, or like there would have been something to take the oomph out of the impact of the the moment. Yeah. And in this movie, when characters die, you kind of feel it, even if you don't like the character. You're like, that person just died, and that was awful. <laughs> yeah. Know? No, no, no. Like you, you feel the deaths, even the characters that clearly deserve it. You're like, oh, like I because. Good, do thought and care went up to the setup, the execution of the murders, even the characters involved. Like I believed every single motivation from each character. Um, I want to talk about and I fast forward the ending a little bit because this movie also has a dark, mean spirited ending where Absolutely. Chucky is successful in uh, possessing the the child, the uh, niece of our lead protagonist, yeah. and also kills the grandmother. And even the jump scare that's done, it's you're like, whoa! It's it's this movie sticks with sticks with you. Chucky wins, and not in a way like, yay, Chucky yeah. wins to have further adventures. It's like yeah. that's a bad dude, and he's still out there. Yeah. Um, in that scene, he has a Chucky one-liner that is just perfect. You yeah. know, she says, "Where's Grandma?" He says, "She's in the basement." What's she doing in the basement? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, he's not cackling. He's not, he's, he, like, that was a zinger for us, for him, you know? That yeah. was a little insider stuff, right? That's, like, dark and funny, but it doesn't cheapen anything that's taken place, you know? Yeah. I believe that that's something that Charlie Lee Whitray would say to amuse himself, himself. Whereas in other movies, he's saying it to amuse this audience that doesn't exist in this case i would believe him saying that to the kid and thinking to himself oh i'm a bastard (laughs) yeah and that and that works that works i the care and love put into this movie is just like again there was a good gap between shocking movies and maybe mancini is smart and he waits until he's generally kind of ready to do another movie you know yeah and uh I'm a believer. I'm a believer in this dude as a director. I actually would be interested to see him do some non-Chucky work just on the strength of this movie alone. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we had said in Seed of Chucky, he was sort of using his knowledge of old Hollywood and classic thrillers to mm-hmm. sort of spend so much time paying homage and saying, look, at this is my De Palma shot. This is my mm-hmm. Hitchcock setup. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't feel like this is my De Palma shot. This is my Hitchcock setup. This is like, I've watched De Palma. I've watched Hitchcock. And this is what I've learned. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's a yeah. subtle difference, but it is there. I don't yeah. think that to make that big a leap from seed to curse. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Like seriously, overhand high five to yeah. Demoncini for this movie. Yeah. Well fucking done. Yeah. Chucky is scary again. Which is kind Thank of a you. minor miracle considering this is the sixth entry in the series. Right. Yeah. Um, because Halloween never really gets that back. Even by the 13th, any real sort of terror is threat to the their antagonists never really comes back where curse or sorry cult ha 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 yeah. cult delivers that um i'll say it once i'll say it again and even this review if this was not a chucky movie and it was just a sort of killer doll movie i would be curious to see what this filmmaker does next yeah 
And, so, and like if it was somebody, I would almost have believed if someone said, "Oh, there was I don't know, someone was hired to do this remake," and it wasn't Mancini, but Mancini did it, and yeah. fucking good for him. Man. Yeah, good for him. Um, thank you for bringing Chucky back and being scary. Mm-hmm. And he played within the rules of the universe. Mm-hmm. He dialed down the stupid, but mm-hmm. didn't you know take it completely out of it. If I have like a little thing that for me, I just wish wasn't there. And again, I'm sounding like an asshole. Jennifer Tilly. She shows She's up. She's ever so... It's very brief. Yeah. She delivers the doll to the place. Basically, Chucky is doing payback on anybody in his past that he's got issues with. So she sends the doll mm-hmm. to the next address. Yeah. That's where the movie sort of starts Well, they like Well, they like working together. So. They do. And, you know, they revisit that neck slit thing and where she cuts a guy's throat and then says a cheesy one-liner and licks the blade. Jennifer Tilly is still in seat of Chucky. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Tilly is still in Bride of Chucky. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is in Curse of Chucky. And the good news is she's in the movie for literally two minutes. Like, it's very, very brief that we see her. Mm-hmm. But that's the one thing that kind of warps the world a little bit for me. Okay. I think that the, because they probably really get along with Jennifer, and you know, mm-hmm. they've been working together for years, they wanted to include her, and I get that. But I think that this is an instinct, and we're going to see this again. And again, that might be a little bit of a mistake. Like, uh, the loyalty to their brand is almost default. Like, Andy shows up in a post credit scene. He's Stinger, I think it's called. Yes. And he's fully grown. And the the doll package has been delivered to his house. And to the movie's credit, I thought it was going to be one of those things where Chucky is about to kill Andy and we cut to dark. And that's not what they do. Chucky's about to kill Andy, and Andy turns around, and he saw this shit coming, and he's got a shotgun. And they've gone back to the original actor who played the original Andy in the first two movies. And he's fine. He's mm-hmm. not a bad actor. But again, he wouldn't be here unless he was the kid from the original Child's Play movies. Yeah. And maybe it was a smart move not to use the kid from Child's Play 3, but they didn't have to use him. It's like they liked him, so they used him, right? Joe Dante is guilty of this, you know, casting people he likes over people who are maybe right for the part. Fair enough. Um, people associate Alex Vincent with the series, and, and I mentioned it earlier. I'll say it again. He's the heart and soul of the franchise. People have fans of the series will instantly reconnect and go, it's "Yay!" What he's got. It's what he's got. But yeah. if Andy was played by a different actor, would the fans have loudly balked? Um, I think I think so. Yes, I, I disagree. I, the I, last time Andy played that role, he was eight years old, mm-hmm. and Andy now has got to be cutting forty. If you bring film. Andy back, though, like that's the, that's a mistake they learned, I think, with Child's Play three. Yeah, um, but there's a difference between like a child actor, right? Yeah, like a recognizable actor. He's when you're eight. You're so different than who you were when you were forty that you're mm-hmm. practically unrecognizable. They didn't have to cast that actor, but they did because they liked him. <laughs> you know, it works for me. It's it, it works enough, and it's fan service. It's the same thing that they did. Should with that him. have been a post-credit scene, though? Uh, I, I, who knows about that? You know, the order the order in which it's delivered. It is sort of separate from the story. It is how they Chucky essentially dies in the movie, I guess. But it's necessary um, setup it's, for cult. Yeah, because we open basically with Andy. Yeah. and cult and we're supposed to have some understanding that he's a player again right yeah I like I don't know I think that the reason they did it as a post credit was because they wanted to keep that ending sinister the last shot before credits roll Chucky's reading the incantation to that little girl and gonna take over her body right yeah and roll credits 
And then that stinger ending. I think it's there because they couldn't figure out where else to put it. Maybe. But Maybe. I, it's, it, I don't know where you would put it, but I don't know. Like, it's almost buried there. Um, I think that, like... I think of the Halloween franchise when they had Daniel Harris for four and five, mm-hmm. and then when they finally made six, they recast it, and no one felt anything when that character's death happened. So bringing Alex Vincent back, but again, we, that was more a betrayal of the character than the actress, because at that but point, people still identify Andy with Alex Vincent. Yeah, but and, it, going to your and, and fans ha- of it, going at, to at your least. Halloween example though, this movie was made three years later, so Daniel Harris would have been what fourteen playing a woman who was, you know, in her late teens, early 20s, giving birth to a baby and then killed by Michael Myers. I think it's even longer than that, but there's, okay. There's no way. The, like, that casting would have been inappropriate in that case. In this case, they didn't have to. They chose to. And maybe that's fad service. Maybe it isn't. Maybe they just liked Andy, like like that actor, and wanted to work with him again. Yeah. But that's why he's there. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because he's the right guy for the part or the best actor for the part, but because... When he was a kid, he was cast as Andy. Fair enough. Right? Fair enough. Anyway, we're 20 minutes into Curse of Chucky, and I think we've made our points. Yeah. It's very strong yeah. horror movie. Yeah. Maybe the most strong horror movie of this list, and maybe the only truly one that actually caused me some fear. All right. So, uh, big fan of Curse of Chucky. Chucky told me. He's coming for you. It's important that we all explore it together as a group. I think I have something that will help. Whoa. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? First, he'll kill each and every one of you in the most horrible ways you can imagine. And then he'll kill me too. Come to mommy. Are you afraid of the truth? Terrified. You should be too. Night night. <laughs> and they call me sick? Wait a minute, there's two of them? He'll kill us all! <laughs> A true classic never goes out of style. Well, Cult of Chucky didn't change things up too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they kept the atmosphere. They shot it in Winnipeg again. Mm-hmm. And they kept that sort of... Uh, put a lot of production into the into the atmospheres of the movie, into the environments. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. There's a weird juxtaposition where it's like the outside of the mental hospital where most of this movie takes place. Looks like the loneliest, ugliest building in the world. Something that you might find in the outskirts of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Mm-hmm. And yet the inside is this pristine, white, crystal clean... Sterile. Sterile. Like, the two environments seem actually separate mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. Like, clearly that's a different exterior <laughs> than this interior. Um, that's a small beef. For the most part, I mean, I like that they stayed with Chucky being a scary malevolent creature mm-hmm. I think unlike the benefit that I gave Curse of Chucky we're getting a lot more 
of Chucky talking. Like, mm. one of the first times we see Chucky actually walking and talking, he bumps into one of the mental patients, and she starts talking to him because she's convinced he's a hallucination. Mm-hmm. And he's got this classic Chucky, you gotta be fucking kidding me line. And like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go kill this bitch, and then I'm gonna come back and deal with you, right? And we go right back to the old school, harsh Charles Lee Ray. I picture Brad Dorif smoking a cigarette and yelling into a microphone and waiting for his paycheck sort of thing. And that kind of goes against everything that was working for us in the movie before this. Yeah, a lot. But they didn't lose the atmosphere. They just added more of the stuff from before. Okay. Um, So it's good, but it's nowhere near as good as as Curse was. Yeah. And uh, maybe not because it's a bad movie, but because it's coming off the back of such a strong one. Yeah. I kind of walked away a little disappointed. No, I, I agree with you. All the goodwill that um, that Curse of Chucky uh, sort of built up is sort of slowly slipped away by the time the, the end credits roll on Uncult of Chucky. Um, once again, I, I love the fact that they, you know, they tried to make Culty a, a serious threat. Um, he's a lot more pulling the puppet strings behind the scenes, even though like it's more of a slasher film than the last film was. Yeah, you know they do take revel in a lot of the sort of over the top kills. We get a you know sort of Chucky pulling out a whole tongue sequence. There's a lack of sympathy, I think, for the mentally ill characters in yeah. this movie. Yes. Um, and I know that this is a child's play seven, arguably. So what are you asking of this movie? Yeah. But I think that consciously or not, that at this point, the worm is turned. That happened in Friday the 13th. Remember, I think around part six, we decided that Jason went from being the villain to the hero of yeah. the series. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's uncomfortably taking place here in Cult of Chucky mm-hmm. because all of the people that he kills mm-hmm. are awful. Yeah, the, we don't we don't connect or or sympathize, sympathize with, with them. them. In, yeah. in some cases we're actually eagerly awaiting their death. That's what really annoyed me about the head psychiatrist, his yeah. little reveal which we call we saw it coming a mile away. But it's, it's not that he's bad. It's that he's so crazily evilly yeah. awfully bad. Yeah. You know like way over the top. He's yeah. arguably worse than Chucky himself. Mm-hmm. Chucky even comments. Doesn't he have a line like, I don't know whether to kill this dude or take notes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, that's a line that's a little too glib for the atmosphere that they're trying to present to us. Mm-hmm. Although it did make me smile. Yeah. But uh, it's not just the doctor. Like, we have this one woman who falls in love with the Chucky doll because she thinks of it as her baby. And we find out later that she's killed her baby and mm-hmm. that she's adopted this new baby so that she can kill her baby again. Mm-hmm. Right? I, like, that's the closest to sympathy we're supposed to have that character, but I didn't, I didn't feel it. Yeah. It's another guy with multiple personalities who decides multiple that one... Multiple Malcolm, yeah. yeah. And he decides that one of his personalities is Chucky, but it's actually just a desperate put-on because he wants to have power. He wants to... He's not. He's pathetic. Mm-hmm. And when he gets a drill driven through his head, it's kind of supposed to be funny. Yeah, it's a cheap cheap ploy when it's revealed that he's been putting it on the entire time. I was like, ah. It's this uh, shrill Asian woman who's originally, like, you feel like she's got personality disorder. She's constantly being shitty to everybody and constantly effusive mm-hmm. and argumentative. Mm-hmm. 
it just turns out that she happens to be right about Chucky. Like, mm-hmm. she figures out this Chucky shit. Mm-hmm. And again, she has this over-the-top death that, although beautifully shot, I kind of like the idea of the sky window. Like, mm-hmm. she's strapped to a table, and there's a window above her, and she's seeing the snow fall down. Yeah. Chucky breaks the glass. The glass rains down upon her. She gets cut to, to pieces. And then for the rest of the scene, there's this slow snowfall. And, and they're like, it's weirdly beautiful and grisly at the yeah. same time. Uh, but I didn't care for her character so subsequently I didn't care when she died or any of the patients or any of the staff I know you said you felt bad for that one staff member uh, what's his name Carlos I think Carlos I think his name Um, is and yeah he didn't the reason we liked him is that he just wasn't actively shitty yeah like it wasn't that he was such a super nice character Mm -hmm. in fact when uh, Fiona Dora for her her, the character from the previous movie has been committed because Mm -hmm. they think she did all of these killings and he establishes with her when she gets there, you know, I'm not your friend. Mm-hmm. Even though he leaves her a piece of gum and he's not shitty to her. He's, he's like, pack a gun, but yeah. yeah, don't, don't consider me a resource. I'm a staff member here. I'm, I'm here to take care of you and look after you, but I am not your friend. Yeah. And that's just, I think him being real with her. Mm-hmm. Right. But that character is the closest we get to a likable character in this movie so when i said last time i think that by this point we're supposed to be cheering for chucky when chucky and his family drive away from the institute full of dead bodies and they go off on their next adventures i don't think we're supposed to be chilled by it i think it's supposed to be like this victory moment mm-hmm. and it doesn't sit well with me yeah even her wearing the ruby slippers like the red shoes as she walks out which is very colorful mm-hmm. uh, and, and like they're bright like you're meant to focus on the shoes with that with that yeah. sequence um, that's sort of the false step I like why they were doing it but it just really seemed like a false step and you should not be cheering for Chucky or Tiffany or like even the dolls possessed at the yeah. back end what I sort of liked was this new idea that they brought to it that yeah. Chucky can make other Chuckies. Yeah, I he like can, that idea. He can involve any Chucky doll or presumably any doll he wanted to. I mean, if we had another Chucky movie, that could be interesting. Like, yeah. Charles Lee Larry could be injected into anything or anyone. Yeah. Maybe that would give us some options here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, like, the aesthetic it stayed largely the same from Curse, but Cult kind of dropped the ball uh, in that... I didn't care about anybody, so the deaths had less impact. Yeah. The hospital, anything about the psychiatrist and the um, the ward storyline ultimately doesn't work. I do like the Andy storyline and how he even sets it up. Like, he's the one that cut the hair. Yeah. We get that and how he pulls it out of, you know, Chucky. Like, that, that angle I liked and how Chucky ha- has affected him all through his life. Mm-hmm. I thought that was something to hang your hat on. So when Andy a.k.a. Alex, is ever on screen, the movie moves. as yeah. sort of a, a, a thriller. Um, the fact that he's set up that he's trapped in there and watches as Fiona, a.k.a. Charles Lee Ray, saunters out yeah. the front door. But again, part of me calls bullshit on that, too. Okay. I mean, I guess... Uh, I like Andy being back in the story, at least how they do it. And yeah. that one plot element surprised me when... Andy shows up and he eventually gets thrown into the psych ward. Yeah. And then he's mailed this Chucky doll there. I was like, why did he mail that Chucky doll there? I didn't understand that. Yeah. And then he's put a weapon inside that doll. Yeah. He basically couldn't bring a gun in himself, so he stashed a gun inside a Chucky doll. That was pretty close to clever for me. <laughs> At least yeah. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that 
leaving him locked in that room. I don't know, because he couldn't really at that point be convicted that like he did these murders. If that's what they're trying to spin, that it was Andy, I don't think so. I think he's just trapped in that locked room. And for all the problems that he has caused Chucky in the past, for all the torture he caused Chucky, and for all the years that Chucky's been trying to get after Andy, mm -hmm. does he really leave Andy alive in that mental room and drive away smugly? Because well, to me, Charles Lee Ray is an evil motherfucker. And mm -hmm. with three against one, he would kill Andy slowly and enjoy himself doing it. That's It's like that uh, Freddy versus Jason. When Jason goes into that house full of teenagers, kills one of them, and then leaves? No. <laughs> no. Jason doesn't operate that way. Chucky is all about revenge. He's been mailing himself to people from his deep past that he wants to kill off for real or imagined strife, right? Yeah. Why does he leave Andy alive? There's because that... they want to make child play aid, right? Okay. There is that one line, though, that he actually gives to um, Fiona Dorf. What's the character's name again? It is. Sorry. Um, yeah. Nika Pierce. Nika Pierce. That... He says there are worse things than being killed or murdered. Yeah. And that's when he possesses him. So I do, I guess the, the pessimist in me says like he's got grander plans for Andy and mm -hmm. bonus points that he's now trapped inside a lunatic asylum as he saunters off. Mm -hmm. To me, it's almost like a callback to the original Child's Play that that's, sort of brings it full circle mm -hmm. that I had you, but now you're in a worse predicament. Off I go and you get to watch me walk away. Like, not just walk away, but like strut my way yeah. out of the loony asylum. Uh, and um, in order to get to this quote, happy ending, how many people are like, well, basically everybody who died in this movie are terrible, but mm -hmm. before that he possessed a little girl and that little girl got killed. We don't mm -hmm. know how or what happened with that, but we know that happened. Eventually bodies break down if you're trying to kill. Yeah. If you're a doll, they can do all sorts of stuff here and you still got fight, but bodies will, yeah, not take a licking, I guess. Yep. And then I feel obligated to once again go to the post credit sequence. Mm -hmm. Anybody remember Kyle? <laughs> Fans will. From way back in Child's Play 2. Yeah. Andy left this severed head of Chucky that he'd been keeping in a wall safe and torturing for his own amusement. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Andy uh, presumably has gone missing or has been tied up at the institution, Kyle shows up to deal with the Chucky in his house. Mm-hmm. Unlike the stinger at the end of the other one where I figured, how could they put this in the movie somewhere? This one more felt like, why is this here to me? Well, this is just, they needed some kind of stinger at the end. Hey, let's see if we can get Kyle. That's, Fan service. That's exactly what it seems like to me. Okay. Um, and so there it is. I mean, I'm, I've been hard on Cult of Chuckley. Chuckley? <laughs> I've been hard on Chuck... Oh my god. <laughs> We're almost oh. there. We're almost I've there, been hard <laughs> on Cult of Jucky. <laughs> but I do go back to, I think it's because I got my hopes up yeah. because of how good yeah. Curse of Chucky was. So some of this might be Larry's own personal baggage kind of crowding in here. And I will concede that. And at some point when it's not as new, maybe I'll revisit it and be kinder. I but, will say this. I watched it a second time uh, right with this podcast a couple of days ago, and my enjoyment of it did grow. Right. Um, I love the fact that, I, like I said, he's more of a puppeteer and master manipulator, and that's one of like one of the new tools that he has of being a weapon. Yeah. Uh, that and the fact that once again he's in the shadows. Yeah. Anyways, 
So I, I did like that 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 angle for him that he's more about mind fucking than actually killing, yeah. although he does plenty of that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, for me, I like the scarier Chucky. Dial back the stand-up comedy. Dial back the Brad Dourif. I'm so, it, it hates. I hate myself for saying it every single time because he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, um, keep Chucky scary, and I'll keep watching. But who am I kidding? Like, whatever happens. There's a proposed TV series, mm-hmm. and if not that, likely more Chucky to be in the future. And I'll be there. And I do say happy birthday, Chucky. And I think, like, overall, in this mixed bag franchise, as they all are, there's probably more good to bad to Chucky than I gave original credit. Like, I was a little trepidatious coming into this one. And I end up, generally speaking, enjoying the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even though fate has made this recording session this complete, like, <laughs> obstacle course... We're getting through it, and I don't resent my time spent with Chucky. Not after seven movies. So, it ain't all bad. Good enough? Good enough. Beckman. Yeah. Lee Beckman, my dear friend. Yep. What was your least favorite Chucky movie and why? Well, I'll have to start, and I said this that this movie committed one of the great cardinal sins of just being sort of blah and boring and more of the same with no love. Yeah. It's a product, not a movie. I'm going to start with Child's Play 3. I hope I never see this movie again. Just not the fact that I think it's like terribly made but clearly made with no love and poor editing and a story that doesn't work with characters that we just don't care of and uh, also replacing an actor that I think is connected to a role that the fans gravitate towards too so Child's Play 3 is in last place in some ways I feel sort of bad putting this movie as the second worst I think there's seven is there not Mm -hmm. so this would be number six because um, it made me smile, but I know it's not a good movie. Uh, but that's Seed of Chucky. I admire what he's going for, and he made and, and Don Min- Don Mancini made his his most personal personal Chucky movie, sort of dealing with you know identity and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but just there's one story that clearly does not work, and it's nauseating to watch. Uh, and so I put at number six, Seed of Chucky. Guess number five uh, we have is Bride of Chucky. Um, the humor is very of its time, a little dated, but uh, it sort of uh, it moves along, and it is crazy. Like it is a crazy, crazy movie, and I do sort of smile at that. The violence is beautifully over the top, <laughs> um, it's kind of funny in, in parts. Um, but yeah, no, Bride of Chucky yeah. is number five. At number four, and. I want to like this movie more, and I like the ballpark that's playing, but the hospital angle or the asylum angle just, just didn't work. Even the aesthetic of it, it just feels cold and distant, and that is Cult 
of Chucky. Right. Uh, a step up, but still... Yeah. Not quite. Not quite what we wanted. Then at number three, am I not mistaken, is Child's Play 2. It knows what it's doing. It's a serviceable slasher film as a slasher sequel. It's it's good. Um, it's it's entertaining, and I have a you know, you know sort of sympathetic personal feel to it. I have the original Child's Play, the one that started it all. I think it's an effectively well-made thriller by a, a, a director that doesn't get as much love. As he deserves. Yeah. So then that's the original Child's Play. And the surprising one that I think you and I actually both agree on yeah. is Curse of Chucky, a well-made killer doll movie that remembers Chucky is scary when he's, you know, we, when we don't see him, when he's lurking in the shadows and he's a manipulator. But it also you know, can be very a very physical, violent threat. Yeah. So yeah, I had at number one, Curse of Chucky. And like I said, if this wasn't a Chucky movie and a Killer Doll movie, I would be excited to see what this yeah. man does next. Yeah. Uh, and that's the movie that validated the premise to me more than any of the other ones. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, this is the little monsters attacks. I think. One Chucky doll is not that scary to me. Maybe if there was hundreds of Chucky dolls chasing me down, it's it's like a Critters or Gremlins thing. Yeah. One of them would just be scary, but you kind of feel like you could deal with it if yeah. you had to. Yeah. Oh, dude. We're so close. I figured it such, We're but, so I, but I had to be honest. So. Uh, I've actually, uh, well, I, I didn't, I, I thought my opinion was going to be more controversial than it obviously ended up being, but I don't think you're going to be happy where we, where we changed. Yeah. Um, but well, let's start where we, where we agree. Yeah. In dead last place, Child's Play three. Yep. It seems like the one with the least love put into it in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the newness of the original. It doesn't have the escalating sort of fun of the mm-hmm. se- second. It was just Chucky goes to military academy yep. and every obvious line or joke or kill that you can think of off the top of your head spitballing mm-hmm. is in this movie, right? Like, yeah. it's just you don't feel the heart or the effort there. So uh, I think it deserves last place. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to side with you that Seed will go in second last place and sixth place. Mm-hmm. But not so much for the movie for it, it is, but for the movie it was trying to be. Yeah. Uh, it was more ambitious than yeah. Child's Play 3. They were yeah. trying to give you a different Child's Play movie. Mm-hmm. And they did give you a different Child's Play movie. It just wasn't the Child's Play movie that I particularly wanted. Yeah. I believe we're in the same place yet again, with uh, the fifth place being Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, it's goofy, it's bonkers, it's all over the place, but I think somehow manages to hold together better <laughs> than Seed. It yeah. just seems to have more consistency to its vision. Yeah. And the narrative isn't as split-focused. Yeah. I mean, we were on this road trip with these killer dolls for a good portion of the movie, and that's kind of where we're at. Mm-hmm. So if you roll with those punches, great. Otherwise, not so much. Mm-hmm. So we're down to fourth position, and yes, I am with you again, cult. Of Chucky, and again, like, give it a few years and rewatch it. Maybe it would bother me less. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I just I was so impressed with Curse, and I was mm-hmm. like, Don is turning into a really solid director, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't take that credit away from him. Mm-hmm. But Cult of Chucky wasn't different enough to sort of justify its existence within the realm, and this shift where we hate the victims and love the killers is something I'm really have a hard time getting behind mm-hmm. it's so much so that it's the production values that that helped it rank as high as it ends up going mm-hmm. 
but in third place, I put Child's Play 1. Yeah, I know you did. And again, I think I talked about it in the review. I think there's the movie that it wanted to be and the movie it was being rewritten into being. Mm-hmm. And those two movies are both present and kind of eating each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it still holds together as a decent killer doll movie. But, I don't know. I give, <laughs> believe it or not, I gave Child's Play 2 second place. Is it a smart movie? <laughs> no, not particularly. But it's a fast, energetic, killer doll movie. It's got the big finish in the in the warehouse that's building all the Chucky dolls. And, it, you know, it checks the boxes for the genre fans in enough of a way that, yeah, it was fun. It, 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 I think that it knew what it was and thus elevated it a little bit from the original. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't ashamed of being a killer doll movie anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just a killer doll movie, and let's let's do it. They knew that, that their villain was, you know, what got butts in seats. And yeah. so I, I admire for its... Honesty. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. Curse of Chucky is number one. And I think it's like the genuinely, I would endorse this to almost anybody like who is a genre fan. If you didn't like Chucky movies, I would still say, well, give Curse of Chucky a look. You know, like I know you're not into the killer doll thing, but that, that's a well-made movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, got, it's got a darkness to it that, that's kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. And I stand by that. Uh, so there's the Child's Play franchise. I'm sorry, you just about doubled down on your championship there, but... Uh, well, see, to me, ask yourself this, because of the story that works in Child's Play 2, mm-hmm. Child's Play 2 couldn't exist without all the, the world building and all the stuff that happened and all the character arcs that are made in Child's Play. That's true. So that's... I it's think, a sequel that's necessarily dependent I, on itself. I think just by that fact alone, it elevated, a, for me, uh, above Child's Play 2. It, it, it was effective for what it was going for. A skilled person made that movie. Um, it set up the universe and the, and the rules somewhat. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a well-more-crafted horror thriller. Yeah. Than Child's Play too. Like I felt palpable tension. Well, it's sort of like the superhero thing. You, you have to give the origin of Chucky, and mm-hmm. you have to introduce us to all the characters, and that does slow down your narrative. You know, mm-hmm. we have to spend all this time setting up your protagonist and your antagonist, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, set some, set the stage, set some atmosphere. It's a much more uphill battle, I think, being Child's Play one than it is Child's Play two. Mm-hmm. But Child's Play two has the freedom that was allotted to it by all of that work done by Child's Play one, so that it could just be a full throttle slasher movie mm-hmm. and, and that's what it was uh, Child's Play was uh, it was trying to be more than that but I think it was better at being a killer doll movie than this psychological uh, or satirical piece eh. but in the end I come from revisiting Chucky actually feeling closer to him than I did at the start of this and I was worried that I was going to come out here questioning my existence I remember saying <laughs> my friend Gareth was asking me what I was doing up to this one evening and I said well because of life choices tonight I'm watching Seed of Chucky <laughs> because of the decisions I've made and who I am as a person yeah. tonight I'm sitting down to watch Seed, Seed of Chucky, of Chucky. <laughs> and uh, I was okay I mean I laughed at it I didn't think it was great but it wasn't it wasn't homework it wasn't this dirty chore that I had to get through I was thinking that you know by the time I got to movie 4 I'd be like Jesus wept when is this going <laughs> to be over with? right and uh, no it, it was okay I got through it and I liked it I mean, I still say it. I'll, I'll take a Friday the 13th or a Halloween any day over a, a child's play, but 
be it a TV show or Child's Play 8, uh, I'm on board. And generally speaking, happy 30th birthday, Chucky. <laughs> That's right. Chucky, Chucky. Good enough? Good enough. Thanks for being here, brother. I'm sorry I was so crazy today. <laughs> it's all right. It's not, I, I, well, I witnessed to it, so I sort of understand. It was just the unraveling that made me sort of giggle. It was like, it took us the day so still long, over. So long to record this episode. It's like, like fucking. But we were going to be stopped, damn it. Just spent the day Just don't Chucky. erase it, man. Just erase if it. we got to go round three, then we're just, it's done. It's the lost Cole's episode. Lost episode of Rankin. Instead of reviewing all the seven Chucky movies, here's a nice recipe for muffins. If this gets lost, we'll, we'll check back in for Chucky's 50th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I got through it though, you guys. I got through it. And I learned some things. I learned that it turns out I actually like Chucky more than I thought I liked Chucky. So that's good, see? Positive, positive things came out of this. And uh, I can recognize that, you know, sudden, violent, painful injuries can put me into a foul state of mind. And uh, nobody's perfect. If I was perfect, you guys, I would be boring. I'd like to thank the Beckman for putting up with me for that episode. I'd like to apologize to his dog, Marley, who I do like. I really do like Marley. He's my buddy. I play fetch with him all the time, but there's, there's something going on with him. Uh, yes, we have survived. Chucky, happy birthday. I'm sorry I was the drunk at your party. And I hope you guys bear with me and continue listening to Rank and Review. I promise I'll be in a better mood next episode. Please send me feedback at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. And check out the website at rankinreview.ca. We'll talk to you. Well, I'll talk to you in about two weeks. Thanks, you guys.